Hey, who made you a disc jockey? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 139. It's the beginning of January, so you know what that means. <laughs> Wait for it. That's long enough. Welcome to the third <laughs> annual Crises <laughs> Awards. That's right, we do this every year, acknowledging the best and the worst of 2016's comics and genre entertainment with winners and losers selected by the Crisis on Infinite <laughs> Midlives Academy. It's basically Amanda and me. Um, we got co- drunk at a bar last night and had a conversation about what was good and what sucked. We did. <laughs> you get to reap the benefits. That's right. Um, yes, because this is compiled from memory because, yeah, we forgot to start the Google Doc that we were going <laughs> to use to keep track of this. Um, <laughs> So yes, we've got performances by Toby Keith, Three Doors what? Down, Lee Green. No, no, oh wait, no, that's that's the other guy. Shit. Um, who do we have? Uh, oh, we've got uh, Mick Rory. I burn my family alive. I like to light things on fire. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, and now your hosts, the most popular comics and genre entertainment podcasters <laughs> in the greater Boston area, who are currently in this basement. Robin Amanda. Damn it, where's the applause button? There we go. No, not that one. <laughs> what a shit show. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And yes, I'd... Uh, the one where they were laughing at us was more appropriate, probably. honestly. <laughs> uh, but I would like to take a moment to uh, thank our imaginary sponsors, the fine folks behind Berkshire Brewing Company's Steel Rail Pale Ale. Jesus. I was going through all the old sound effects nice. to, to find the ones for the award show, and I pulled that one out. Nice. So, Although it appears you're drinking something else this evening. I don't know what the hell this is. Uh, this is something. Yeah, there was no cold uh, steel rail, so I feel like a. I feel like a whore. I feel like I'm cheating. This is a with some something named Jolene. Uh, yes, it's a, a, a from Bentwater Brewing Company from Lynn, Massachusetts. Mm. Okay. If you're not a mass hole. <laughs> There's a rhyme about Lynn. Lynn, city of sin. Yeah, you probably don't never come to. out the way you came in. <laughs> Jesus. So yes, that's the city that produced uh, tonight's beer. So uh, fine, Lynn, everybody. Thank you. All right, that's enough. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ah. Uh, <laughs> So before we start, I have one other thing from going through the sound effects. Yeah. Uh, we, we have a special guest. We do. Uh, yes, courtesy of the uh, the National Security Agency and the Russian news agency TASS. Oh, Jesus. Uh, here's the President-Elect's Crises Awards. They're remaking Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford. You can't do that. And now they're making Ghostbusters with only women. What's going on? President-Elect of the United States, everybody. Man shouts at cloud. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, this show's kind of mutated since the first time we did it, except for the sound effects, which I managed to dig out every year. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's just sort of, we come up with categories and we shoot the shit at the bar. We really mean that. I swear to God, after we put the show up tonight, I'm going to open a Google Doc so we can actually keep track of it, because I, I think we've got pretty good nominees for, yeah. for the things, you know, the best and worst things throughout the year, but we really should keep better track of this. <laughs> Because otherwise we have to listen to all Keep our shows. And, any track of this. Yeah. It's, <laughs> otherwise we have to go back and re-listen to all the episodes from the year, and I'm not going to do that. No. I don't like this show. <laughs> I don't care for it. You are God's truth. 
Well, okay, that's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> I like our show. Uh, so do I. God damn it, I I have fun. Do you guys like this show? There we go. Seems about right. <laughs> At least they're not playing us off yet. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I think the most important thing about this show is I dug this out. I burn my family alive. I like to light things on fire. <laughs> I'm never going to get tired of that. That's so. okay. So what order do we want to do this in? The Whatever order, order makes you happy. Do you want to do it in the order I, I put them down sure. when I emailed them to you? Um, which starts <laughs> starts ironically <laughs> with like the best picture nomination almost. What, whatever makes you happy. All right, so let's start at a positive note. Because okay. yeah, when we get to the stuff I'm apprehensive about for 2017, it's as long as John Holmes' third leg. There's a lot of stuff I'm worried about in comics and genre yeah. for 2017. Yeah. All right, so uh, we will uh, start out with best comic series or uh, mini series. And uh, I don't know why I do the timpani roll, because we each have one, and then we argue about it. So, <laughs> so uh, yes, thank you, timpani player. <laughs> Getting mileage out of weak applause. And the sad thing is, I'm sitting here beating myself, So because I what I should have done is said, hey, the annual Crises Awards. No, Jesus. wrong song, <laughs> goddammit. Uh, All right, why don't you go first? Your best comic series or miniseries uh, of 2016. I... I think my my favorite series of 2016 is Monstrous. Wrong. Uh, that's I <laughs> writer Marjorie Liu, uh, and I, I gave runner up mention to uh, James Tinian's run on Detective Comics. Okay, that we can discuss because I have not read any of Monstrous. You have left the trade out on the <laughs> coffee table Maybe in I'll, the living room. I can room put it in weeks. the bathroom for you. That's really probably a good idea. <laughs> Because a lot of my nominees, both on the good and bad side, were uh, read in the toilet. Uh, many of them are still in there. That's the truth. I, I gave the edge to Monstrous because of the massive amount of world building that Marjorie Liu um, has been doing. And it's it's tremendous. I mean, she's Just in terms of the overarching history of the, the world she's created, that gets into ancient history of that world, the various uh, species that exist on that world, its religions, its traditions, the the history of war amongst its peoples. It's it's just a tremendous epic. Okay, so what's the overall sort of thrust? Because again, it's I'm aware this is a thing that you added to your polls and have been reading, and I just haven't gotten around to it. So it's a huge built world. It is, and it's original. <laughs> <laughs> Which goes a long way. Um, the, the idea is there's a young woman who was a, a refugee uh, in the course of this war that's been happening on her planet. And her mother was um, fairly high up in her family, and they belong to a, a race that kind of has been crossbred with these animal-type creatures, but they're not really animals. They have, like, special powers and things. So she uh, discovers that she has become bonded with this ancient godlike creature called a monstrum. Okay. And it eats other life and is, is, this, is this a furry thing <laughs> no it's not a furry thing <laughs> there are plenty of characters that do have odd cat and wolf ears and fox ears but no it is not <laughs> okay it's not <laughs> uh and there there are factions out there that want to get a hold of her and the power that she contains so there's that that whole sort of like ah this is the special one that you're supposed to identify with protagonist okay uh there are it's just it's just there's this really complex mix of various um 
light and dark creatures and when when you think you've explored all of the the species that they have to consider in this world here's another one <laughs> it's just okay it's so just it's, very complex and deeply layered with tremendous artwork and so. there's there's enough stuff going on there that it constantly builds so yeah okay and there's political crap and there's we try not to go political on this show <laughs> they're remaking Whoops, it wrong button <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would say if you like uh Game of Thrones, not so much with the nudity on that, but like in terms of the fantasy plus political intrigue, there's that kind of thing going on. With I it. stopped beating off the comic books when <laughs> when I was old enough to have high school friends to get me penthouse. So okay, so thank you. But okay, all right, fair enough. Like I said, of course we started with this, and I've been meaning because you mentioned earlier this week <laughs> that was probably going to be on your list. I'm like, yeah, I got to get to that. Instead, I read a whole bunch of early Mike Grell Green Arrow today. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. That's my bad. It's all right. But uh, it'll still be on the coffee table. Okay, uh, Detective Comics was very good. I'm not sure I would put it up in best, only for a few reasons. Well, okay. why don't you why don't you say why it was I, up in your your favorite couple of the year? I have been enjoying it. it it's a hard dollar to follow um, Scott Snyder. That's true for, <laughs> for both of the main Batman creative teams. Yeah. And, and both have done very well. And that's just it. So it's, it's as much props to Tinian and company for being able to follow Snyder's run as it is the direction he's been taking it in terms of you know, how, how he's trying to rebuild the Bat family and the dynamic that they're exploring between the Waynes and the Canes. Right. And it's, I, <laughs> all right. Nope. I, I know I've I've never come across as a giant fan of um, spoiler. Really, you yeah. haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that Tinian has gone back to making her an absolute douchebag uh, <laughs> speaks to me. <laughs> For years, Amanda, we have had drunken conversation in bars, particularly at conventions. It's like, why are people so hung up on spoilers? Spoilers sucks. It's like, all right, let's have another drink. We can be talking about that. So, And that's fair it's enough. It's in the name. Spoiler. She ruins things. She's, she's a, a ruiner. She's a ruiner. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I got to stop pressing that button. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't in any way disagree with you. I like it. I think it's been solid. I think it is exploring areas of Batman where the main Batman title isn't right now necessarily, although there's some parallelism. The the, the whole victim syndicate of the negative effect that Batman is potentially having on Gotham to the point of people are saying he's having no positive effect. Mm. Uh, The the biggest problem I have with it, the the thing that... And I tried very hard to not take this into account in my lists. Mm -hmm. So in my biggest apprehensions of 2017... You might think that I'd have said, Watchmen's coming, and I thought very hard about that. You were banging on that last night. Yeah, I know, but when, then I sobered up, <laughs> and uh, the bourbon, I'm sorry, Irish whiskey burp stopped. Last <laughs> night was Irish whiskey. But, <laughs> well, variety and, is important. It's uh, What I realized, and we'll get into this a, a little bit later on as we go through categories, but the, the, the Watchmen parts of Rebirth haven't prevented Rebirth from being really fucking good. Yes, now, Watchmen has not been front and center since that first DC Universe Rebirth special. Uh, there have been mentions and one or two specific mentions, but it hasn't been front and center, but it has not made Rebirth bad. So I'm trying, trying like hell to withhold judgment <laughs> and say maybe it won't be the shit show that I thought, because I still was 
as soon as they announced Rebirth, it's uh, like what we had the show planned that week when it broke what Rebirth was going to be with Watchmen. And I'm like, we're chucking all of it. This is what the show is going to be. <laughs> and it was two or three weeks. And it's a testament to Rebirth being generally as good as it has been that I'm fighting really hard to say. Because make, make no mistake, I don't want the Watchmen shit. I've said recently, it's like, can we just pretend that didn't happen? You won. Rebirth's good. Yeah. Let's just back off on the Watchmen and. Clearly, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, all right. I will try to withhold judgment because I thought it was going to be a sign of impending doom from the word go on Rebirth, and it hasn't been. Okay. With that said, the fact there's Watchmen shit uh, as front and center in detective comics as anything except for Titans, uh, that's kind of, it gives it a ding for me. That's okay. So, <laughs> all although, right. It, although I would say in detective comics, if... Tim Drake, who has been kidnapped by seemingly Mr. Oz. That's definitely Mr. Oz. The question is, is Mr. Oz Ozymandias? Yeah. I would say if there's anybody who's smart enough to actually best Ozymandias, it's probably Tim Drake. That was the whole sort of arc they were leading, leaning towards as um, the opening kickoff arc of this Detective Comics series was going, is just how smart is Tim Drake? I don't think he's the only one. I think there's at least one other. I burn my family alive. I like to light things on fire. You just like that clip way too much. I love it. Muttering in your sleep. <laughs> Do I? Record me doing it. We'll put it on the board. <laughs> that is an interesting idea whether Tim Drake uh, in the standard DC universe could approach the you know, most intelligent person in the world levels of Adrian Veet. I think that's what they were going for by, by building him up to be... Um, as intelligent as he was in terms of the modifications he made to the, uh, I want to say Batcave, but they've named it something else, Belfry. And See, now I'm getting spun up again because I can immediately extrapolate from that. Oh, yeah, I can see them doing that. And and the college acceptance that he got, that he was going to leave the Bat family to go and be a part of. Yeah, but even then, it's it's just one of those empty set ellipses. You go from... Red Robin versus Ozymandias to Rorschach versus Ambush Bug. Yep. And now I'm pissed off again. <laughs> Where has Ambush Bug been in Rebirth, by the way? <laughs> but if there was anything that was going to get Tim to change his mind on, on leaving the family and going off to college and, and instead reaffirming his commitment to being a hero, it would be something as world world or universe level as taking on something like Ozymandias. Uh, yeah, it's he's Tim Drake is too strong a character to just plug into college the way that you know, they tried like hell to do with Dick Grayson yeah. by putting Barbara Gordon with him back when I was a kid in the 70s right. in Batman family, you know, <laughs> dollar novel length books where the backup story was always the teen wonder in college. Yeah. It's yeah, no, you got to keep him close to the the Batman family. <laughs> so it's a. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Detective Comics is an unreasonable series to put as as one of the best ones of the year. Okay. It's not my personal choice for a, a few reasons. Uh, mine was, and I've talked about this enough, particularly between you and me, Amanda. Have you ever sat down with the trades of the Vision? Um, one of them. I don't. I know you read both of them. I know you've read the issues. We uh we got started on that a little bit late, but mm. both trades are out now. So yeah, obviously. Uh, I say obviously because I just said the vision. Uh, the vi- mine's, <laughs> mine's the vision. Is it the uh, vision? Yeah, it's the vision. Uh, <laughs> written by Tom King, uh, art by Gabriel Walta. What kind of parents would name their kid that? Anyway, um, yeah, this is this is one of the best 
mini series of almost any type that I've read in in a long time. And it's a character that I have never particularly cared about the vision that the vision was in the second comic book I ever got. It was Marvel team up. The first one was Marvel team up and Scarlet Witch. Therefore you will get the vision in short order. So it was the next issue after that, but still it's okay. He's Mr. Spock only with shitty fashion sense and yeah. clashing colors and you know, Ooh, a soul gem or something. Ooh, I don't care. But, but yeah, this is, this reminded me a lot of, Blade Runner. It's examining what it means to be human from the viewpoint of people who are not human, completely inhuman, mm. and the concept of family and how powerful that is, even over these not human characters. It should not have the concept of family should not have any meaning over them, and yet it. <laughs> I don't want to say it warps their relationship, but it shapes it and mm. the tragedy that ensues. And this is a full-on tragedy from top to bottom. Yeah. People wind up dead. Almost nobody learns anything, unfortunately. <laughs> well, Vision should learn, but he'll never learn that he, he should not take on um, girlfriends, wives, human or otherwise. Oh, yeah. And the final page is just like, oh, no, he really didn't learn anything from this. <laughs> and it's just it's a gut punch of an ending. And just the, the number of layers that are going on. The one thing I was flipping through the second trade as I was putting together my notes on this and there's a battle sequence where Vision is battling the rest of the Avengers to to get to Victor, to kill him for killing Vin. And there's this widescreen panel. I, I may have talked about this on the show before. Mm. A widescreen panel from the side, and you've got Vision floating above the Avengers. But situated <sighs> above Vision uh, is a billboard for a Simon Williams. <sighs> sorry, I, I, <laughs> sorry about that, but... Uh, that's what happens when you don't turn off the goddamn antivirus. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob, tell me, are we at least digital herpes free? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, it's asking me to restart the device. That's not going to happen. Oh, dear. Anyway. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's a billboard of a Simon Williams movie. And Simon Williams is supposedly the human imprint where Vision got his personality okay. from. But with the way it's looking, it looks like Simon looking down on the Vision who's looking down on the rest of the Avengers. And then there's another scene where Vision it breaks into the theater where this is happening. Mm -hmm. And you've got Simon Williams as Omega you know, yelling from the movie screen, I can still save you. And it's just such perfect. We've talked a lot on this show about show don't tell. Mm. I can't think of a better way of showing the Vision's humanity trying to take some kind of control, but this situation that he's put himself in, he, he either can't or won't. And it's just, it's really powerful storytelling with a lot of shit going on, you know, just sort of in the background. If, if, you, if you want it, it's there. If you don't, it's not. That's pretty cool. And yeah, the, the final issue where Virginia's dying and says saving the world was nice, and there's a callback to an earlier issue where Vision says, no, it was kind. I won't bullshit you. The first time I read that, yeah, I was on the toilet. <laughs> and I'm choking back tears like a junkie in a men's room stall who just realized, this is baking powder. It was, it was really powerful. And it's still got me reading it again upstairs. It's, it's a hell of a closing issue with, <laughs> with a great Easter egg to open it up, like just a moment of humor of these two detectives who have been investigating the vision. And one of them, you know, says, Oh, my wife talks to me like I'm a kid when I'm in trouble. She says, Robert Daniel, our Daniel mm. from the robots of oh. Dawn from Asimov. 
So nice. <laughs> yeah, a detective. Then okay, I got that. That was so. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the best miniseries I've ever read. And considering its its parts are named after a Shakespeare quote, who I hate, <laughs> that's a that's saying a lot. All so. Right. Yeah, I mean, my runner-up, and I'll talk, you know, Batman falls into one or two of my areas here. My runner-up is Batman, also by Tom King. Interesting. Uh, I think it had a couple of the best issues of the year. The problem is it also had a couple that were only, eh, all right, this is pretty good. So it had some high, high points, but it wasn't as consistently solid overall. overall. So that's okay. sort of why that makes, eh. I I have been more or less enjoying... King's run on Batman, but as we discussed when we talked about the book previously on the show, there's a bit of an emo quality that seems to be creeping into this Bat-Cat relationship that's making me not invested. It it feels a little too, I don't know, teen goth slash emo. Yeah, we talked about that, uh, I believe, in our first episode of December. Sorry about that. The fuck! <laughs> I, I pressed the button and Amanda jumped like a gooster. I'm sorry about that. I jumped like a boss. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Anything else on best comic series? Or I also, I um, it didn't make my my top two. I've also very much been enjoying Greg Rucka's run on Wonder Woman because he's been handling dual storylines. Yeah, the. Uh, Dealing with the aftermath of the fact that Wonder Woman is realizing, one of the few people who really realizes, yeah, particularly my story has not made sense. Yeah, for, for a, a long very time. long time. <laughs> uh, that's been that's been interesting. I agree with you, and it's certainly the best Wonder Woman I've read in a while. Mm. You and I have gone on record the Brian Azzarello arc as well reviewed and critically acclaimed as it generally was. Just didn't work for either one of us. Yeah. Uh, after the new 52. So I, I'd have to go back. Yeah, I've never been a huge Wonder Woman reader. You know, I just got the trade paperback of the first six or 12 uh, George Perez issues mm. from Crisis. So I, I, I'm not, how far back would you have to go for? That's a good Which question. is a loaded question. because <laughs> I'm not sure how far, a ways back. Yeah, Gail Simone, maybe. Maybe. Okay. The Jodie Picoult run, I think, was all right. But okay. I have to go back. Yeah, it's it's been good, and it's been it's had certainly high point moments. It, it's hard for me to put as you know, this is one of the best of the year, just because honestly, the story of I'm hunting down my past is working better for me than year one. Yeah. So they're both good. They're both better than Wonder Woman's been in a while. But for half of it, I can say, yep, pretty damn good. There's just been so so many good rebirth titles overall right but a long time since i read superman regularly and oh yeah yeah that's <laughs> that's actually uh, a very good point I, i've never been really a superman reader because it's it's hard to relate to a character that somehow you feel has like, like a better handle on humanity than you <laughs> <laughs> that's true when you talk about like the vision, uh, Superman's sort of the other side of that. <laughs> <laughs> How do you relate to Superman? Well, I too walk the earth. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, I've also actually been enjoying Superwoman a lot, which was such a twist, you know, because you think it's like, oh, this is going to be about Lois Lane as Superwoman. Nope. 
<laughs> yeah, it was really not what I expected. And uh, I think it started off really strong. This latest issue, uh, I just sort of, I haven't read it completely. I flipped through it on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only the only quibble I'm having right now at all with this portion of the Rebirth books is Lex is in, in a world of shit in every single book that he's in, so these clearly can't be happening concurrently. Yeah, there's a Lex Luthor <laughs> continuity problem. He, he's, he's trapped uh, in the basement of LexCorp in Superwoman while on trial on another planet in Action Comics yeah. <laughs> and actively promoting himself as armored Superman in Superman. Yeah. That Lex Luthor is all things to all people, and he is therefore unto like a god. Which is what he wants. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. There's already. <laughs> it, it, it's like Captain America said in the DC universe there's only one God, ma'am. I burn my family alive. <laughs> I like to light things on fire. Oh, I, boy. <laughs> I, I could do the other one with the other guy again. Trust me, you're going to have more fun with Heat Wave. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Deathstroke, another yeah. solid uh, DC rebirth book that. You know, Deathstroke. You're a big fan of uh, who is it? Kyle Higgins. Yes. Uh, his uh, that's one of the few unabashed Amanda loves from the New Fifty Two. That original arc that he did. Yeah, and I'm also enjoying. Um, so we can give a shout out to something that isn't necessarily uh, one of the big two. His run on Hadrian's Wall, which is creator owned. Hadrian's Wall is really kicking ass. It's, that's with uh, he did another indie book that was called Cowl, uh, and he's working with the same creative team from that. Yeah, it's a. I'm not. I don't remember if we've talked about. I think we may have talked about the first issue. We might have. It's it's a space detective mystery, murder, yeah. murder mystery in space, reminiscent of some '70s trucker and the type of vibe you would get from yeah '70s sci-fi aliens, mm. uh, Outland. Yep. So yeah, that's another solid one. So, yeah, there have been a lot of good comics this year. There have been some distinctively bad ones. Do we just want to combine? Because I think we both have the same. Worst comic series, miniseries, and worst event. <laughs> if you, well, it's, and it's if you're a things... listener of this show, you already know where we're going. Should we just combine well, those? I think we should, oh. because in terms of like worst series in general, it, it's hard to say something is the worst, because it may actually be all right, it's just not resonating with you. So I had a couple of books down, but if, if something's not hitting with me, then I'm not going to keep... With the exception of the event that we're about to talk about, I'm not going to keep reading it yeah, it's because a, it's just sort of like, what is my time worth? <laughs> yeah, it's a really tricky one, because, and it's a reason we don't have worst single issue, because, yeah, you sort of put that out of your mind. Yeah. And, yeah, for most worst series, it, it, it is possible for a book to, yeah, not be for you. And the classic example that we've talked about over and over again is Bitch Planet. I objectively recognize Bitch Planet is a good book. I am in no way the target audience for Bitch Planet, so I stopped reading it. It doesn't resonate with me. And and for me, it just didn't get me, so I moved on. Yeah, which is fine. It's but a, there's plenty of people out there who are all over it, and they're flashing their non-compliant tattoos all over social media, and good, good on them. <laughs> yeah, I recognize it's good work. As a white middle-aged guy, I'm the villain in that book. Uh, it's not a thing I necessarily want to read. So it's a, okay, I gave it a shot. It's not for me. I put it aside. Just be careful where you put your NC tattoo. It, it just just be careful because skin stretches over time. <laughs> My mother, for celebrating her 40th birthday, went up to Montreal, Canada, got a tattoo of a butterfly on her ass. She uh, <laughs> just turned 70. That thing's fucking Mothra. <laughs> I... I... <laughs> 
I knew a punchline was coming. <laughs> Let's just put it that just way. Just be careful with your tattoos, kids. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, I, I know. I, I put my uh, my non-compliant tattoo on my wang. <laughs> right now it's NC, but I put non-compliant plus my serial number in the planet <laughs> I'm serving on. <laughs> Jesus. Thank you, folks. Dick joke for Bitch Planet. <laughs> You subversive motherfucker. I'm the worst person in the world. Oh, wait, I'm not. I burn my family alive, and I like to light things on fire. Anyway, another example, uh, because I know you were thinking about it, was uh, Insects by Marguerite Bennett. Yeah. It's clearly a book for queer women. I read it, and I'm like, "This, this doesn't speak to me at all. I like Marguerite Bennett as a writer, so I'm willing to say there's probably something here that I'm not getting because I'm not the audience, I put it aside. I'm not willing to say yeah. it's awful. So it's, yeah, when it comes to worst issue, it's a hard thing to say. It's the same thing with worst series because most of them, you know, for all I know, it, it, Insects is a staggering work of personal genius. Mm. I, I, I didn't continue to read it. Yeah, I, I also put on my list uh, Mother Panic because I, I read it when it was Huntress. Like, yeah. Like, and- oh, a, a rich girl who wants to avenge her father's death. Yeah, I read it was when it was Huntress. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I had as as negative a, uh, a as negative a reaction to that as you did. Uh, make no mistake, I think that's probably the weakest of the young animal books. Some of which I'm I'm really enjoying. Yes, uh, I mean it, it. It may get better, but somewhere between that and the the going out of its way to be edgy artwork that just it felt like it was trying too hard. Yeah, I, I do think that's the weakest of what we said. My God, if you told me that I'd legitimately look forward to Cave Carson has a cybernetic <laughs> eye, that I picked up going, let's get this out of the way when the first issue came out, and I'm like, holy shit, this I really enjoy this. I would have laughed in your face. So, <laughs> Gerard Way really wants to be Grant Morrison when he grows up. He does, but you know what? There's nothing wrong with seeing a good imitation show now and again, and at least Cave Carson, okay. It's a good enough imitation. I'm enjoying it. Look, Grant Morrison wants to be Alan Moore when he grows up. <laughs> He's going to have to grow some hair. I know. it's a, You go far enough down the line, <laughs> and it comes back to Shakespeare, which means I hate everybody. I just hate all <laughs> writing, apparently. So I mean, do we want to... Because I think we've got the same worst series, worst yeah. event. Let's get those out of the way. And yeah, you're listening to the show. You know what we're going to say. It's a Civil, Civil War Two. What a <laughs> fucking shit show from... <laughs> I want to say from top to bottom, it was some of the David Marquez art was kind of, kind of pretty. It was nice to get the Andrea Sorrentino mm-hmm. old man Logan, the cameo in I think it was issue seven. All it served to do was make me very angry. That's the entirety of like if they wanted me to hulk out like Jennifer Walters, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't want you to do that because they've changed how she fucking hulks out. I know because of that fucking series. Because of that series, it's. Uh, I tried to look forward to it. I, I really did. I thought there could be some interesting treatise on the nature of free will, and they, there could be some real metaphysical Philip no. K. Dick kind of shit. No. No. And instead, we just got Captain Marvel's a pain in the ass and a fascist. And and seems to have no seemingly no repercussions for that. Yeah. It comes out of it smelling like a rose and a hero as founding Avengers die around her and the rule of law is a joke. Yeah, there are some choices happening in Marvel right now. Some of them are are interesting. Some of them, they better bear out some fruit to make it worthwhile. Captain America as a Hydra agent, there needs to be a real payoff to that. 
There definitely does. Otherwise, you're just fucking around going, oh, look, America's Greatest Hero is actually a tool of the alt-right. <laughs> there will be a pet. What are the teasers that came out this week? Uh, I, I, I read them and, and went, ugh, because it, it indicated maybe Captain America putting together his own team, and maybe it was Hydra-related, and I'm thinking this sounds a lot like Civil War Three, but it's just teaser posters. It's hard to tell, but I can't remember what the tease was. I don't know. But I, I, I want it to get resolved and resolved fucking soon. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been dragging on now for a few months with no particular payoff being shown. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, other things that stuck out from Civil War Two, uh, Bendis, and, and he's doing it now in the regular Spider-Man title, just trying to get Miles Morales front and center places he doesn't belong. Yeah. And I don't want to talk too much about it because I, I will talk about <laughs> some of that later on. But it just it feels like okay. I get that you want to introduce a variety of new characters, but to then sideline table make deceased these other legacy characters. I like Bruce Banner. I I, <laughs> oh, I want to read a Bruce Banner book. I don't want to read that Bruce Banner's fucking dead. It's he's he's not going to stay dead any more than anybody else does in Marvel comics. Yeah, and Thor Ragnarok should not be the thing that suddenly causes people to go, oh, i got to figure out how to put him back in the book. That's, that's, <clears throat> that's what it's going to be, though. Yeah. Uh, and and I, don't, I don't mind having other versions of characters. I think it's working with Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, I think it worked with Spider-Man up to a point, and now, and now Miles Morales is being put in places he doesn't belong for the purpose I think everybody thought he was going to exist for after Secret Wars. Right. But is it, I don't mind Riri Williams as Iron no. Heart. That's fine. But I, I do want my Iron Man back. Exactly. It's we can have characters with the same or similar names or concepts. We don't even necessarily have to make them gender based, like Hulk and She Hulk and Spider Man and Spider Woman. I mean, it feels like they're they're giving Victor Von Doom an Iron Man type storyline. Not type. He is an Iron Man at this point because with the Fantastic Four uh, off the board, he has nothing else to do. Why does? Why does Von Doom exist if there is no Fantastic Four? Yeah, it's a, there's no Fantastic Four to fight against, and he actually achieved godhood in Secret Wars. I and think it, he's all set. Yeah. <laughs> so he can retire Take a bow. Now. <laughs> Take a bow. <laughs> Victor Von Doom, everybody. We'll, we'll, play, we'll play him off. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> No, you're right, and believe me, I got a lot to say about Marvel uh, later on in the okay. category. But uh, yeah, it's Secret Wars two. It, it I don't want to say fatally damaged Captain Marvel because they did similar damage in Civil War one to Tony Stark, and they were able to retcon it. Basically, they'll find a way to do it here. They'll find a way to either retcon it or have her redeem herself but we're going to have to put up with X number of months of because Bendis or whoever's left of the architect stuck it on a whiteboard. It's like, okay, and now here's Captain Marvel as the greatest hero in the world, even though she's history's greatest fucking monster right now. Yeah. And, and no awareness of the fact that her choices were completely wrong and evil. Just none. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, I work really hard and I'll continue to work as hard as I can. And it's uh, okay, but... <laughs> Yeah. Hulk dead. <laughs> Hulk dead. Iron Man seemingly dead. Hawkeye self-imposed exile. Yeah. <laughs> 
War Machine dead. Yep. <laughs> she Hulk damaged. Damaged. <laughs> damaged. Like the one really competent Hulk damaged. Yeah. And it <laughs> it just it went on and on and on. It's because it was late and crossed over to everything else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, look, we have whipped on civil war like a redheaded step stepchild on this show for the last eight months. Yes. Because that's how long it fucking went on for. I'm not sure how much more we need to say, but it was awful. It was a terrible mistake. It's the biggest black mark against Brian Michael Bendis, who I like that I can think of in recent memory. Yeah. Marvel needs to start digging out from under this. And I'm not sure they're capable of it right now, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, then short of completely rebooting themselves yet again, I don't know how they're going to fix this. And that may be coming. Yeah. Okay, I, uh, we'll talk about Marvel as we get to another category. <laughs> okay. All right, so then we can move on to best comic event. Well, I mean, how many events were there this year? I, I had to think about it. So we've got Civil War II, um, also within Marvel, the... Spider clone conspiracy. Yeah, which sure as hell isn't going on at this point. Any of my best lists, even though it's still ongoing. Uh, Rebirth. See, I don't think Rebirth is an event. Okay. So how many other events are there? <laughs> uh, there's not a ton. Uh, it's And part of the problem is we weren't able to get all of them. Uh, there was the crossover uh, at IDW between ROM and Micronauts, oh. and I just couldn't get every piece of it. Um. I, for good or ill, I have not put ROM on my polls yet. So, mm. and it's popular enough at our local comic store that it's gone a lot. So, I have been getting Micronauts, but it's also I don't care about what else is going on there. Mask and the IDW yeah. has a bunch of licensed properties they all tried to put together. So, yeah, they at least had that. So that's one non-big two event that, okay. that went on. Uh, yeah, I mean that's why I put. You know, did you have one listed? I put down Rebirth, if only because in the face of how bad Civil War II was, the fact that DC's relaunch came out around the same time only served to make it look that much better. Yeah, it's, it's see, I put there, that there weren't any best, because I really don't consider Rebirth an event. I can see why you did. I can see why a lot of people do. It's got all the trappings of events at face value. Every book's got Rebirth on it. Mm-hmm. There was a big... At least they tried to make it a single big precipitating event. But the the problem is, as a way to wipe the slate clean of New 52, it was fine. I don't think it's an event because there, there really was no single precipitating event. We did get the return of Wally West. But also going on around that, we had uh, over in Lois and Clark, the return of the post-crisis Superman. Uh, you know, so there were two or three things that went on that were kind of at face value not related. Mm. So it feels like, fine, we'll do all this stuff as a means to an end more than anything else, where really it was, fine, we'll say Watchmen and figure it out, but here is our line in the sand to change how we're writing our characters. Yeah, no, I I, I don't disagree with your point of view. I just, whenever you're going to reboot your entire comic series line, that seems like an event. <laughs> it's You're not necessarily wrong. It's... See, the, the other thing that, that makes me say that's not really an event is most of the Rebirth books, other than, yeah, Detective Comics and Titans, and there have been one or two things, I think, in Action Comics, at this point are not in any way dealing with the, the Watchmen precipitating a, you know, Dr. Manhattan event, yeah. whatever the hell it is. It's just, 
okay, we're just changing stuff that, that we're, we're just changing things. We're, we're trying to make the entire line better. It's a soft reboot without, with a soft line in the sand. Mm. So, you know, as an excuse to change the storytelling, I think it's an event, but it, it almost feels like it's not an event because <laughs> it may be as simple as it was born out of panic. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're tanking. We have to do something. We need to reboot, but we don't think fans will put up with another, okay, and here's the explosion where everything's different. Just, uh, okay, fine. And it actually happened a long time ago. And it was because of this and go, 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 <laughs> which is, which is fine, but it just, it doesn't feel really like an event to me. Okay. That's valid. If I had to pick one and one that we, that I put down and I, it's, it's certainly not great, but justice league versus suicide squad. I've been enjoying that. It's it's it, not it's not resolved. It hasn't resolved yet, though. It's still sort of ongoing. Right. That was that was part of why it's like, all right, if I have to pick one, because uh, and even then, it's more entertaining than wow, this is exciting and changes everything. It's a, the main thing is it's on time. <laughs> it's it's self contained. It's yep. it's basically just happening in the main title and in Suicide Squad. Yes. Uh, it's on time. It's bringing back Maxwell Lord. Yep, not not only Maxwell Lord, the original Lobo. Yep, with that great moment in Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps this week, <laughs> issue twelve, where Larflees apparently has collected a variety of things and has them shrunk down tiny Lake Candor, one of which is uh, not Lobo. The it's a metrosexual Lobo. Yeah, the unLobo. <laughs> yes, <laughs> pretty boy Lobo, and uh, they're trying to smash all Larflees' stuff. To, to make him angry that he's losing his collection. And as soon as Guy Gardner goes for it, Hal Jordan says, no, why don't we leave this one on the shelf? <laughs> so that was a great... So yeah, it's Maxwell Lord, although villain Maxwell Lord that we've had ever since, you know... <laughs> going into, a, was it Countdown to Infinite Crisis? Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of that. I mean, Max was a big goof. He was a head of Justice League International. He's a funny guy with... Powers that he couldn't understand, and sure, he was trying to make a buck, but... In this, in this iteration, he's been brought back as uh, an odd mommy's boy. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't need that particular Maxwell Lord, but hey, fine. Better this, I guess, than, oh, head of checkmate or whatever the hell he was doing. Yeah. Um, what else? It's on time. It's on That's t- a... <laughs> is it on time? Uh, it, it is. I, I hear it's on time. It's also... It's, it's really... Beyond introducing the idea of, yeah, maybe there was an earlier Suicide Squad, it's not trying to change the world. Yeah. It's a it's a punch-up, and it's going to lead to bringing a few extra characters in, some of which to stick in Justice League of America. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it'll bring a few characters back uh, to, to make them available, but it's it's not trying to change the world. Uh, it's also on time. Is it on time? It's on time. And, uh, yeah, unlike Civil War II, yes, Amanda Waller is a fascist, but she was always a fascist, so that's okay. Well, and that's the other thing that's nice about the Rebirth soft reboot. We have the real Amanda Waller back. Yes. <laughs> and I think most importantly, it's on time. <laughs> it's coming out week by week by week. We're going to be done in a couple of weeks. Boom. Done. All set. <laughs> But it's at the same time, it's, it's not great. It's okay. But compared to some of the other stuff, okay is a fucking triumph. Go Rob Williams and everybody else involved in this. <laughs> God bless you. Well, all, all right. right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on that? Or should we... Um, next one I got is best single issue. Yeah, we can talk about that. Okay. 
We we don't really have a worst single issue because we talked about if something's the worst, we it, it falls off our our alcohol ridden spongy brains. Uh, yes, as as it should. It, uh, part of me always feels a little guilty when it's like, all right, let's do the worst of. Let's do the things we're most apprehensive about, the most disappointed. Marmaduke Ten didn't speak to me. Bullshit! <laughs> You're a fake fan. <laughs> I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> now I had I had two actually here, and uh, okay, the, one bright spot in the shit show that was Civil War Two was Greg Pak's work on Totally Awesome Hulk, which follows Amadeus Cho as the new Hulk who seemingly is control in control of his powers. That was a great mini series which has been slightly blotted out of my head based on the last two issues where they've decided to make Jeremy Lin a guest star, which by nature means the Hulk has to play basketball to save the world. I didn't see Space Jam in the 90s, <laughs> and I was drunk for the entire 90s. Unlike Maybe you now. saw it and you don't remember it. <laughs> oh, no. Somehow I think that would stick in my head. But specifically, since we're talking single issues, Totally Awesome Hulk number 12, which is the issue where Amadeus Cho finally catches up with Clint Barton. That was really good. That was a really good conclusion <laughs> yeah. to that story. It, it made me teary. Yes. it's uh, The, the entire, uh, entirety of that arc was... He's the Hulk, and he's alienating people, and he wants to confront Hawkeye. And even he's not sure what he's going to do when he finds him. Right. So it's his sister, and S.H.I.E.L.D., and Black Panther, and everybody's trying to stop him while he is taking great glee in, no, I'm the strongest one there is, and nobody can stop me. And in the end, they couldn't. Right. He got there. He got there. And he did not handle it with the catharsis of violence that particularly a civil war it's like yeah god somebody deserving take it in the fucking head please that i thought i wanted yeah and and the fact that he and and clint just sort of mourn over their lost friend yes it you know it was it was it was a good resolution or as good a resolution to that story as you could have hoped for the two best parts of civil war 2 were probably, yeah, Totally Awesome Hulk and the side stories that they did, and Power Man and Iron Fist. Yes. <laughs> which is a, a book I didn't give a shit about. I think I just picked it up once saying, uh, I should check it out, and has been consistently one of the better Marvel titles of the last six months. Yeah, the chemistry between the two characters is is lively, yep. and and it you believe them as... Friends who can't stand each other sometimes, particularly on Luke's end, but they mean well, and they're just trying to do right by their neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. it's and then they're caught up in the stupidity that is Civil War too. Yeah, it's and it's just it's fun. <laughs> it's yeah. fun. It feels like they're living in a real place, though, because they've they've got secondary characters that show up and come in and out, and it's just that's been a really good book, Civil War or not. Yeah. The difference is since Civil War two ended. That has continued to be good, whereas in Totally Awesome Hulk, we've got the Hulk playing basketball with Jeremy Lin to save the world. Yeah. And I'm a goddamn grown-ass <laughs> man. Not all books are for you, baby. Uh, <laughs> but this one so was for me. I know. And for the last two issues, it just hasn't been. And my, my other... 
other one, which but is hey, actually. But hey, they got Jeremy Lin, which means they got a. I, I tried to point to the board. You jumped again. There's <laughs> something about that clip. I don't know. All right. <laughs> Cuts straight to your brain. It still. does. It does. Like a shart. Shart. Like a shart. <laughs> shart to the heart. <laughs> shart to my pants. Um, short, sharp shock to my brain is what I was going to go for there. Okay. Uh, but at the top of my list, um, Totally Awesome Hulk 12 is, is sort of my runner up. In terms of other things that are a gut punch and may not necessarily be for you, Rob, when we talk about demographics and audience, um, No Mercy, which is Alex DeCampi is the writer, Carla Speed McNeil is the artist. I read the first couple, and and it's it's not bad comics. Uh, it just it, yeah, for whatever reason, it didn't hook me in. It's and, and I feel like it should because the the concept of we will take privileged American teenagers and put them through hell. Should be in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Well, when you get into the second volume and and issue nine is amongst that, you're dealing with the horror that the entitled children kind of deal with, at least some of them um, deal with at home. And we have a character who is um, trans and identifies as a boy. And it's set in this whole situation where her family either is in denial denial or doesn't know. And based on how we see the relationship with her family play out, I, I would also not come out to my family. Okay. Um, her mom is some sort of real housewivesy bitch who has her, her ladies who lunch friends who come over and they have their superficial bullshit conversations. And she is supposed to be coming out as a debutante. She has a whole dress that she has to put on for her cotillion and her mom. Oh, so it's a full-on Southern using coming out yeah. in both ways. Okay. Yeah. So That's clever. Yeah. And she has to put on the dress at the opening of the issue to go show her mom's bitch friends. And instead, she tears it up punk rock style and goes downstairs, having also shaved off most of her hair. Screaming "fuck you" on the dress, and just <laughs> makes the decision that night. Fuck it, I'm going to run away. Except that her parents are a step ahead of her and call in these people to abduct her to a for-profit conversion therapy Jeebus school, private school. Okay, and these are things that exist in these the world. Are, yeah, re- the horror of reality is sometimes the the worst. Yeah. And horror in the world. They abduct you in the night and take you against your will. And the the way this school is set up, it's like fucking Lord of the Flies, but with bitchy girls. And if you don't inform and rat on the people around you, then you get shit on. So it's in your best interest to be an asshole to others. And in the course of her time there, she's they aren't breaking her and they aren't breaking her. And she makes one friend who she witnesses something awful happen to her, which leads to that character's suicide, which eventually leads to the school getting shut down. But it's it's a self-contained gut punch. Of I, I thought about it all year. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's good comics. Yeah. It's anything that can... Uh, look, I tend to... Uh, number one, as a guy uh, who is straight, white, and middle-aged, I... I the, the relationship between teenage females 
teenage females, let alone their relationships, didn't make any sense to me while I was trying to figure out how to talk to them. Yeah. So that's not necessarily a thing that would, would have as much of an impact on me. You know, and yeah, certainly <laughs> my sexuality didn't cause any problems with anybody. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's the strength of... So obviously, because of my... Uh, I like the adventure stories. Those are neat. <laughs> but uh, something like that, yeah, I can see that having a huge effect on somebody. Yeah, and, and at the end of it, there's a, a roll call of names of teenagers who died in schools or facilities like that. Schools like that don't solve that kind of family problem. Only one thing does. I burn my family alive and I like to light things on fire. I don't mean to make light of you're talking about this, but no, but it's, I'm a born comedian <laughs> and I can't leave a joke alone. It's, you know, I thought about it. I'm like, what book would I pick? And I'm like, I, the entire year I can go back and I can name the issue number and like everything about it without having to go back through my notes because we read so many damn things. Oh, yeah. And at this point, most of this year's books are just unsorted in long boxes. So yeah. you went and bought it again on Comixology yeah. to make sure you could reread it. I, ha- I That's dedication. I man. somehow no. didn't realize that Comixology had been bought by Amazon. Now I can just get it through my Amazon Prime account. That's dangerous. <laughs> That's dangerous. Yeah, the, the, the home <laughs> office has a mortgage. <laughs> Yeah, we need to pay them every month, no matter what comics are out. I know, so. I know. Like, oh shit! I I bought that issue like three months ago, and now I can't find it. Fuck it! I'll just get the digital copy. Yeah, no. Let's let's be careful of that. It's, yeah. that's that's why I leave my nook unpowered a lot. <laughs> and I have learned some of the darker areas of the internet. I I'm not going to say that out loud. Don't but, say that out loud. But okay, that that's fair enough, and I can see how that would have an effect. And now, it, shit, maybe I got to go get some of the trades because again, the, as as a misanthrope, watching teenagers go through hell, you'd think that would have been enough. Because I did like that first issue. We yeah. talked about it uh, with Trebuchet and Pixie Sticks when they were guests that the week it came out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, for whatever reason, it just there are too many, too many stories with guys who dress like Dracula to punch criminals in the face. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's where I go to naturally. That's okay, hon. Because, yeah, it's mine, and uh, you knew it was going to be, I, we talked about it uh, a few weeks ago, Batman number 12, mm-hmm. the, the I Am Suicide issue where Batman talks about he almost killed himself and instead you know, prayed for an answer of what am I supposed to do and realized that, uh, by the way, that was written by Tom, Tom King. He's coming up a lot, at least on my list. It's okay. Art by Mikkel Janin. What kind of parents would name their kid that? <laughs> I love his art. I never know how to say his name. It's okay. But uh, yeah, just uh, basically asked God, what am I supposed to do? And realized there's no answer, but there's no answer for anybody else either, and I will become the answer. So choosing a, an almost monastic mission of self-sacrifice to give hope to others, and, and just the... the the concept I don't think had ever been breached in Batman before of, you know, of course a kid who feels like they've lost everything will consider suicide before years of jujitsu and karate training and putting together batarangs. Yeah, that makes sense. And so it, that and having the answer be, this is what I did instead of suicide. My life's over either way. But by doing this, I have a purpose in life. And yeah, it means I have to give up almost everything that any human being could possibly want. But it, it was just a really powerful Batman story to me. And the art in that story, Jesus Christ. The, and we talked about it at the time. We talked about it. It's something you can only do in comics. The static backgrounds 
that just show multiple images of Batman moving through it. So the pacing is all based on you. It slows you down and shows the the numbers that he's going through and it forces you to just move across the art and just it was really cool visual storytelling, which we saw in a few places. Again, we shouted out, I forgot the particular issue of Six Million Dollar Man, Fall of Man. Yeah. As different a comic book as you can get from, <laughs> from Batman, I Am Suicide, yes. but a similar type of art of, uh, okay, I'll just show the picture of the train and figures to move the characters across it. It's just, it's really, you can only do that in comics. And it's, so the, the combination of how the art was put together and it, just an angle on Batman I'd never thought of before. And I, yes, there's emo gothy shit in that. <laughs> I get that. But again, he dresses like Dracula. <laughs> it's okay. There was emo gothy stuff in, in, in No Mercy 9 that's implied that the character's a cutter. But okay. It's it's all about, I mean, she's a teenager, or he, he character identifies as male. But as middle-aged people, we're, we're I, I apologize for my pronoun mistake. <laughs> yeah, there, there were rules that we were taught that we're trying to relearn as we yes. grow older, and it becomes harder. It's not on purpose. So, I, it's all about context for for the emo gothy stuff. I think for me. <laughs> okay, which is fine. I will accept a certain amount of goth from Batman. Okay, that's that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Uh, so yeah, it's. I guess that's. Best single issues. Yeah. All right. Should we move into the movies? Movies. Movie. All right. Uh, best genre movie. Deadpool. Okay. I uh, thought about it. I went back and I looked. I realized we didn't even bother to go see X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> no, we didn't, which is weird. And we still haven't watched the Blu-ray or anything. It's yeah. just, uh, for whatever reason, it's just, uh, all right, more X-Men. Yeah. So, <laughs> which uh, is not how I feel about Logan. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> The I and I was like, all right. Do, so, do we go with Captain America: Civil War? It was, it was a tough decision, but ultimately, I came down on the side of Deadpool had the most heart and seemed it was tight, and it seemed to give the most shit about being true to its characters. It definitely did. Of of all of them, it was a passion project. Yes. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds has been trying to get that made for years. Tim Miller from Blur Studios was trying to... I don't even think he intended on directing it. Just wanted to be able to do the special effects. It's... I considered it. Uh, In in a lot of ways, I think you're probably right. Uh, And I think when you look at history, the type of movie that changes how similar movies are put together wind up being the classics and we saw just in the course of this year with how Suicide Squad was reshot and re-edited and derailed and turned into almost something else mm-hmm. based on at least original reports uh, all based on Deadpool and how you hear about okay the writing has been redone for Justice League to try to make it more like Deadpool Logan's gonna be rated R now yeah uh, allowing superhero movies to be fucking rated R. Why that's a thing? The Matrix was rated R. Nobody had a problem with it. Because the kids. The kids got into Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't stop anybody from seeing A rating has never stopped anybody from seeing anything. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. But that's the argument from the, the studios. And if we, if we go more than PG-13, how are we going to convince people that they can bring their children 
It's look, you can make a spreadsheet say anything. At a certain point of any business endeavor, be it artistic or not, there's a dude with a spreadsheet. And if you can get a spreadsheet to say something, you can convince somebody, and it's going to be more convincing than, but no, artistically, my vision, yeah, it's a lot, you know, somebody who's writing a check, you got somebody with the vision, and you got somebody with a spreadsheet that makes a number go up or down if you change a thing, based on research. It, trust me, as somebody who was in the creative end of radio, yeah, the the music that got picked had nothing to do with what anybody <laughs> liked. Right. They had to do with, okay, we called a bunch of people who still have landlines and played them 10-second clips and asked them to give me a one through three rating. Whatever got a three is what you're playing. Yeah. So, and yeah, Deadpool changed that. Changed it in a lot of ways because it was a cheap movie, so they... You know, we're, took whatever shortcuts they had to make the one they wanted. Right, you're kind of convincing me because I had <laughs> I had Civil War, which uh, was good, but <laughs> it's I, I think it's absolutely a solid movie. Um, it holds up on multiple viewings. Fucking two words, Spider Man. Right, right. Technically, one hyphenated word. But, <laughs> you know, the the best granted in a short burst out of personal context. But the best Spider-Man live action in that limited context so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and just you know, little things, character things. Ant-Man calling Captain America, Captain America. Like, it's like, we, we don't know each other. I don't want to be familiar and call him Cap. The giant man reveal, which I totally didn't see coming and just put a smile on my face. To the, the point where we watched it for the third time a couple weeks ago. It's like, that's still fucking awesome. <laughs> you know, and it takes... Balls for Marvel and the Russo brothers to say a main story point is going to be the downfall, partial villainization, and infantilization of Tony Stark, who is so thir- who is the character that they have built all of this around, and who has been the center of almost every Marvel movie, at least in the background since the first Iron Man, to reduce him to that's my dad's shield, you can't have it. Yeah, no, they they handled it, handled everything very well. I I think for me the difference was more along the lines of it's such a vast ensemble that it was it was hard to get too invested in anybody's storyline. And this is a movie that's supposed to be a Captain America movie. Yeah, make no mistake, this was no more. This was Avengers two point five. Yeah. Captain America's name was on it because it was on the schedule and because contracts were done. And now I'm sure that for Chris Evans, who has sort of intimated, I'm going to do the stuff in my contract and then maybe I'll direct. Right. It may have been, okay, fine. This has to be a Captain America movie or he's not going to show up. Yeah. I don't know. That's speculation. But yeah, this was not a Captain America movie. It was an Avengers movie. I like the Avengers movies. (laughs) But again... And the Russo brothers have been, I still think my favorite Marvel movie is probably Captain America Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. But they've just shown such an ability to mix some humor and do compelling stories. And But yeah, the more I think about it, I think when you look back in the history of 2016 or maybe even two or three years around it, Deadpool will wind up being the more influential so I think you've convinced me. I think Deadpool probably was in a lot of ways, <laughs> even though I get more of a charge out of oh, Spider-Man and Giant Man <laughs> <laughs> than Deadpool. I think Deadpool probably was objectively better and more influential this year. 
and and I don't think that they're going to get an Oscar nod, but it was nice to see that Deadpool was up for a Golden Globe. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's... What are you getting of Ryan Reynolds' best actor? You can do that without a wink? Even as Deadpool? And he's perfect as fucking Deadpool, but... You got to put him up against, the, and the nominees. You got, got to make out with Andrew Garfield in the audience while uh, Ryan Gosling was getting his his Golden Globe <laughs> for Best Actor for La La Land. Really, did that happen? It I did was, happen. All right, I was doing something on the computer for that, but <laughs> but yeah, it's Spider Man and Deadpool making out in the audience. <laughs> but yeah, I just can't picture. And the nominees are Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea, Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool. <laughs> You never know, but uh, yeah, I don't think that's. Uh, I don't think we're going to see Deadpool in the ten best picture nominees. There is a, a Deadpool for your consideration gag reel going around on the internet that's worth tracking down if you haven't seen it recently. The viral marketing behind that movie movie was fucking spectacular because yeah, it's Ryan Reynolds just has to show up, put on the Deadpool suit, which I'm pretty sure he puts on every day anyway. Yeah, he just just sort of touches himself. For yeah, a while. which I would creeps out Blake Lively, but she's gotten used to it. Exactly. <laughs> But, <laughs> oh, this again. All right, I'll, let me know when you're done. Yeah. Put a microphone in him in front of him and say, just say Deadpool stuff. And he, <laughs> and he did it. And he, I, I think it was just, it, it, he probably called somebody up and said, you know, it'd be fucking funny. Let's do a full on Oscar real thing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I didn't get any audio from that That's today. Okay. That's all right. Oh, wait, did I? I burn my family alive. Jesus. I like to light things on fire. I don't think that was Deadpool. I don't think that, that was, was Deadpool. Something else. That was not Deadpool. All right. All right, worst genre movie? Batman versus Superman. Yeah, and that's hard for me to say because I, I had high hopes for it. I really did. Uh, plus, I think I think I hold it in higher favor still than most people do. <laughs> if we could get uh, our friend of the show, uh, New York comedian <laughs> Benari Poulton on. If we could get him in the room, he'd throw things at me. Yeah, 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 yeah. he would. He knows hand-to-hand <laughs> combat, uh, and he would beat me unconscious. But uh, even though I think more kindly of it, it, I think objectively it was just the weakest of the year. And I I think the ultimate cut on the Blu-ray makes it better. The problem is it still doesn't make it really good. Yeah, it, and it's it's cast sort of a, a taint over the rest of the DC cinematic. Taint. <laughs> You're twelve. <laughs> Over the rest of the DC Cinematic Universe, it makes it very hard to get excited for Justice League. It, it makes me worried about Wonder Woman. I, yeah, I'm less worried about Wonder Woman because I was going to talk about this later, but I don't know why Zack Snyder is still doing this. He's never made a really good superhero movie, and I got a soft spot for Watchmen. Yeah, I, I don't. I know Watchmen wound up tanking and there's a lot of people who've retroactively turned their backs on it. And I understand why Uh, I can never listen to Leonard Cohen's hallelujah ever again. (laughs) (laughs) But I think there was a lot that was done well in that movie, but it's still, it's hard to say this is objectively a good superhero movie. I, for a long time I defended man of steel saying man of steel could wind up being good depending on what they do in the sequel. You know, for everybody complaining, oh, Superman would never kill a guy in cold blood. I could accept it as long as we learn in the sequel that he said, okay, that was my worst moment, and now I'm going to live up to this new ideal no matter what happens. And instead, we got Superman kicking the Batmobile saying, this is mercy. Yeah. It's a, okay. No, it turns out Zack Snyder really doesn't know shit about Superman. 
probably the best thing for Justice League is he fucking killed Superman. Which means, <laughs> all right, there's one. The one character we know he doesn't fucking get is out of the way, at least for as part of the movie. As far as we know. So. <laughs> As far as we know. I mean, he really only ever doesn't actively suck when he's doing a shot-for-shot remake of something. So that's where Watchmen didn't actively fall down because he was basically just using the comic book as a storyboard for the most part. Yeah. His, his Land, of, Land of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Was basi- Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead was basically shot-for-shot with new actors uh, and shaky cam. Not really, but Dawn of the Dead lives and dies to me based on the opening sequence of seeing the zombie epidemic move so fast through that suburban neighborhood. And I've only seen it once or twice. Yeah. I love the original Dawn of the Dead. It doesn't deserve to have that fucking title. Snyder's remake doesn't. Yeah. It's a decent enough zombie flick up to a point. And he's got, the thing is he's got decent moments in all of these movies. In Watchmen, that opening credit sequence, I would put up against any moment in any superhero movie. It's got nothing to do with the plot. Yeah. Nothing whatsoever. But he plagiarizes himself and, and sort of does it over again for the beginning of Batman versus Superman. Like we don't need to see slow mo slow mo falling pearls and Martha Wayne falling to the ground and all of that crap. I, I almost don't need to ever see another superhero origin story. I mean, Deadpool is the only one because Deadpool nobody knew who the fuck Deadpool was. Right. And even then, did it matter? No. He's a mutant. Uh, he's a mutant. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows Batman's origin. Everybody knows Spider-Man's origin. It's, it's, so that's that's a great thing about Spider-Man Homecoming coming up. Great. We finally agreed we don't need to see the fucking old guy's corpse in the street. We don't need that anymore. Awesome. I'm for that. I don't disagree. I didn't need to see. Uh, you're right. I didn't need to see uh, Rick Grimes' wife take a <laughs> bullet in the fucking face while the comedian failed <laughs> Yeah, the defender. Was it, was it Rick? No, it was um the girl who plays um Maggie. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was uh the girl who played. Why can't I I'm reading Walking Dead since the seventh issue? What's Rick's wife's name? Lori. Thank you. It wasn't Lori. It was Maggie. Oh, either way, I didn't need to see her die. <laughs> so yeah, ultimately, it does. It makes me nervous about Justice League. It's part of me is like he should have been. Pulled. The problem is it was too late. DC is trying so goddamn hard to force a Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And the, the, the timing is just too... That's, that's why everybody's so nervous now that Ben Affleck's saying, oh, the Batman movie. I'm not sure when I'm going to do it. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it. I'm, a- I'm only going to do it if it feels right. Yeah, because it fucks up the timing. And they've already sort of force-fit that into some place where it wasn't ready. Part of me wonders if that's why we haven't seen on Twitter in the last... Uh, literally in the last week... The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, going, yeah, I've started taking meetings to do Shazam. It's like, all right, well, if you can't get Batman, what's next in the pipe? Shazam. My God, if I'm the head of WD, WB, I'm like, Shazam, the the one with Mentor and Actually, the party van from out. the 70s? <laughs> he had something out in the last week or so where he was talking about Black Adam. Yeah, it's a, he started taking meetings yeah. with Jeff Johns. It's I want to, for fuck's sake, it's Justice League. I want to be excited about it. I want to be nervous about it. And I don't want to be nervous about the entire DC slate of heroes living or dying based on whether Zack Snyder can finally put together a really good superhero movie. Particularly when now the notes are coming, make it more Deadpool-ish. I mean, the the Comic-Con footage that came out, the jokes that were shoehorned in there to show there's a sense of humor about it finally. Yeah. Well, all right. So Zack Snyder is now directing in a way 
and a type of story that is not natural to him. So now that's strike two. He's going to try to make it this thing that he doesn't necessarily, from any evidence I've seen, know how to make. Right. Right. You're not wrong. <laughs> and with this ranting, again, I like Batman versus Superman better than most people. And it's still, that's why you got to say it's the worst. It, it set good. me the fuck off. It was not good. You know, and, and even stuff, you know, there are times like Jesse Eisenberg. There's times I want to be like, that's an interesting take on Lex Luthor. And he certainly made me hate him. So it was effective. But other times it's like, well, yeah, but he's still about as threatening as fucking Jesse Eisenberg. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's Jesse Eisenberg. He's not a supervillain. He's a kid that you fucking thumb rub his glasses <laughs> the, the locker room in junior high. <laughs> yeah. No, it's you're, you're not wrong. It was not good. It's 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 okay to embrace that it wasn't good. And, but I still have to say I think it's better than most people do. But yeah, it's not a very it, it's not a really good movie. It's just, it's not. It, it was a movie about the Justice League of America's first days that included a jar of piss on a senator's desk. Yep. <laughs> it's. Yep. And the problem is my runner-up for this is fucking Suicide Squad. DC, the only reason, objectively, I think, Suicide Squad is a worse movie. But only objectively. It's, there's, every character is introduced twice because they cut shit together and they did reshoots. And they clearly tried to turn it into much more of an MTV slash Deadpool kind of thing than it was originally meant to be by David Ayer. We're never going to know because we do have the extended version on yes. Blu-ray, but there's not much added. A couple of Joker scenes to you know, hopefully keep Jared Leto from you know, bitching in public some more. <laughs> but it's not exactly... It, it's nobody's magnum opus. Right. It's basically the same movie. But the difference is at least there was some fun in there. And there was not a lot of fun in Batman versus Superman. Right. Yeah, there wasn't a ton of it. Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn clearly enjoyed chewing the scenery. Great casting. It looked like people were having some fun in a few places. And that matters. Yeah. So it's that's the only reason, objectively, if you had to say from a filmmaking standpoint, which is worse, Suicide Squad is an objectively worse filmmaking exercise. But I got more chuckles out of it than I did Batman versus Superman, so Batman versus Superman. It loses. also had more individual characters I wanted to, to follow, even if they weren't telling the story as well as they could have. I, I, I gave a shit about Harley. I gave a shit about El Diablo. You know, <laughs> it was funny to watch what they did with Boomerang. Yeah, wait, wait, El, El Diablo? I burn my family alive, and I like to light things on fire. That's not El Diablo. <laughs> Pause to sip beer. Anyway. How is Jolene going down? Uh, <laughs> she's going down quickly. <laughs> Jolene was canned on December 14th of last year. Oh. Uh, brewed and stewed by Bentwater Brewing in Lynn, Massachusetts. <laughs> That's Bentwater Brewing. Also, not a sponsor of the show. Don't be alarmed. <laughs> See, I knew what you were going to do that time. <laughs> there we go. That's the important thing. I'm easily startled. Uh, all right. Want to do some of the, the broader ones, the biggest surprise yeah. of 2016? Uh, okay, you don't want to talk about TV? Did I forget to put down TV? I will 
I'll make TV up off the top of my head. Okay. That's but, the kind of care and attention that we, at <laughs> the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home wait, office, wait. put into. Oh, I'm sorry. They're playing me off. So why don't you start? And- <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was a good year for genre TV. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to go in reverse reverse order. Worst. Uh, again, it's hard to say something's the worst if you have stopped watching it, but I would say there's probably a reason I am not watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Gotham, or Walking Dead right now. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Walking Dead's a tough one because while I still would like to say I enjoy the show, I have not watched it since last year's finale. It's all stacked up on the TiVo. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to it at some point or another. But uh, yeah, just the whole character of Negan. And I've had this argument with uh, with the owner of my local comic store who says, you know, it's, but Jeffrey Dean Morgan is just so good at being Negan. It's like, yeah, but it's Negan. Yeah. You know, you can have a melanoma or rapid ass cancer. It's still cancer. It doesn't matter. One's better than the other, probably objectively, but nobody's clapping their hands and throwing a party. How many terabytes do we have on our TiVo? Three. Okay, and our TiVo is currently just about 86% full. Yes. So there are, there are programs on there that we have been meaning to watch that are good. There are programs that are on there that we've been meaning to watch that the critical reviews have been meh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but for me, I went to what was I watching with any kind of regularity that made me want to keep coming back. And at the top of that list was Luke Cage. Yeah. I, I could I could see how that argument, I, yeah we we burned through that in, yeah and basically yeah three days yeah we we burned through that and it wasn't a perfect series but I think it did a nice job establishing all of these shows establish a particular tone and this one was supposed to be that sort of seventies black exploitation kind of vibe yeah. And I thought it did a nice job doing that, but with also enough nods to the present day that it didn't feel dated. And Mike Coulter as Luke Cage did an outstanding job fleshing out the character beyond what we had seen in Jessica Jones. Yeah. Look, the man said sweet Christmas at least three times without breaking up. Yeah. That's good acting. Yeah. If you can believe a man say sweet Christmas. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, he, sh- he should have the Emmy. For it's, your consideration. It, he, he should have the Emmy. Ryan Reynolds should have the Oscar. <laughs> Just line him up. Um, and, and compelling villains for the most part. Yeah, see, I'm not sure I'd put that at the top because the I'd say the first six episodes uh, with it, who was it? It went from Cottonmouth to Sidewinder or Diamondback. I, Diamondback, Diamondback, yeah. Uh, the ones with Cottonmouth and Black Mariah before Mariah turned on Cottonmouth and God, mm. I hope I remember the character name. No, you got it right. right. Uh, was vastly better to me than than the back half. There, there were. And you and I have talked about this a little bit. They're certainly parallel stories in the sense of you know family on one side mm-hmm. between Mariah and Cottonmouth versus Diamondback and Luke Cage uh, being stepbrothers yep. and you know expectations from one side to the other. First son, real son, uh, daughter. So there's parallelisms going on there. It's well constructed. It's just I didn't find uh, Diamondback to be anywhere near as. <laughs> interesting a villain yeah. is Cottonmouth. No, and, and I, I understand that. I think the other thing that, that put it over the top for me is the way that they built out Claire's character, the night nurse. Without her, Luke would not have survived the series. 
Yeah, it gave her a lot more to do. She was in a few episodes in this yeah. one as opposed and to... And she I think was in- she- instrumental to try to figure out how to save him when he was put upon by Diamondback and Diamondback's magic shrapnel weapon. So... Yeah, that was another thing I had a problem with with this. It's, I got a certain catharsis out of the early episodes where, and people have argued about this, uh, it's basically Superman at street level. Yeah. You can't shoot him. You're not stronger than him. A, a rocket may or may not make him angry. <laughs> so, yeah, when he walked into, uh, what was it, the social club or the 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 children's center that really was where all the bombs were or yep. something where he could just walk in and just take people apart. There's a lot of catharsis there. You can't keep doing that. No. But uh, yeah, some of the lengths they went to of, oh, it's a special shrapnel weapon. Oh no, it's a this thing. It's a, it felt kind of forced after a while. Well, and we've talked about for, for the Netflix movie and uh, movies, the Netflix series, they sort of err on the side of having about three more episodes than they really need. None of these should be longer than 10 episodes. I think I'm hearing that Defenders is only going to be 10. Okay, perfect. Because <laughs> we've said that right from the first Daredevil. Yeah. And you and I had a hoot getting hammered for three <laughs> days watching the first Daredevil. Yeah. Um, so with, with that, there were other things in here that, that spoke to me. I have Westworld on here tentatively, although I haven't finished it yet. There's like three or four episodes left on the TiVo i got to finish watching. You loved that, and I just have not really... I've been doing other stuff while the TV was on, well, and I keep meaning to get back to it. If you, if you like Vision, you should love Westworld, because it's the same idea of something that is not human looking at humanity from the outside and trying to figure out what it is to be human. It's it's on my list. Look, I like the original Westworld mm-hmm. by Michael Crichton with Yul Brenner. <laughs> it's the movie. You need a certain amount of okay. I enjoy cheese with with this because it doesn't hold up yeah. as a as solid science fiction. But I got a soft spot for it. And Jonathan Nolan, I mean, my God, the man wrote The Dark Knight. You know, he was uh, the guy who created Person of Interest, which mm-hmm. is a great show that turned into again a, a nature of surveillance states. And artificial intelligence and what that could mean. And so, yeah, it's not like I'm, you know, oh, Westworld, must you? It's just uh, I've had other stuff going on, often editing this show. Yeah. But um, Destination, in terms of like traditionally churned out media, Destination Television for me over the course of this year has been DC DC's Legends of Tomorrow. I love the hell out of that show. It, that you can take McRory Heatwave and make him even remotely interesting. Wait, who, who's Heatwave? I burn my family alive. And I like to light things <laughs> on fire. The, the, the chemistry of everybody on that show, the writing is really nicely done. It, I just, week after week, it's great escapism for me. I love it. It's, all of the DCW shows have been a lot of fun. The crossover uh, was a, the invasion crossover. Yeah. That was a huge amount of fun. Yeah. For me this year. And that's how you do it, DC. Yeah. <laughs> so, and and they, they did it with God knows budget constraints. Yep. It, when we talked about it, it was like, yeah, okay, the entire invasion comes down to a fight on a rooftop while other stuff is going on somewhere else. But what the hell else are you going to do with a TV budget? Right. But you know, the, the key there, which DC is ignoring for their cinematic universe efforts, is you built up each of these properties over time. 
And then you didn't have to shoehorn in some sort of trumped up reason to to have the crossover. Yeah. No, it's a, they've they've done perfectly with it. You know, down to getting Supergirl over to the yeah, it's, and we talked about it at the time the the, the idea. Oh, I'm surprised they didn't just bring Supergirl into this particular Earth, but it makes sense for the same reason of yeah, we can't just have Luke Cage walking into everybody because you can't stop. If you've got Supergirl, why do you really need Green Arrow? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also on my list was what I was most surprised by, we had a whole Robert Kirkman themed show when we were talking about is Kirkman over and outcast for me also became destination television. Yeah. That was really good. That was good in a way. I've been getting the comic cause yeah, they, the owner of our local store put it on our polls. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't really read it because it was the first couple issues. Like, uh, it didn't hook me in. So it's a weird thing when you get a lot of stuff on your pull. Stuff makes its way to the bottom of the pile eventually, and some of it you get to, some of it you don't. In a summer where it's like, okay, I need to kill an hour, I have a choice between watching Outcast and watching Preacher. The world that I would live in where I pick Outcast over Preacher. Yeah, now that you mention it, uh, for most disappointing, I'm going to go with Preacher. Not, not to, And we can come back to we that. We didn't finish watching it, which yeah, is why have, I didn't put it on my, my worst. Yeah, and it's weird. I, I, won't, yeah, I won't call it the worst, because there was a lot solid in it, but it was disappointing. In the sense that, and I get why certain things were disappointing, and now I'm going from the memories of, uh, yeah, eight months ago watched episodes that uh, didn't quite, the Preacher in my head is this world-traveling road movie where right from the beginning it's, okay, here's the mission and we're going to go on it, and to make it more adult, yes, it has to be in a certain place. There have to be certain doubts. Maybe Jesse does think he's Jesus. It's like, you know, I kind of want to get the fuck out of Anvil. Yeah. Yeah, it took us about three issues. He was out of Anvil by the it, Anvil was a flashback. Yeah, in the first issue of Preacher, right? So right. So yeah, I'll go with Preacher as my most disappointing off the top of my head. Uh, but we can pivot back to Outcast because well, why be negative? Our entire last episode was negative. I like that we've got some <laughs> positive things going on on this one. So, so in terms of things that were were you know nice surprises for 2016, and also fit into the category of best genre TV, Outcast. Okay, I can see that for for best. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd probably go with yeah that crossover. I really enjoyed uh, Supergirl. I think has been nailing it just in being fun, optimistic. You know what you're going to get. It's going to be a good time yep. with <laughs> at this point three or four superheroes right in the goddamn episode. It's not perfect. You now the whole Jimmy Olsen slash uh, who's the Toy Man's kid? Uh, Win Scott. Thank you. All of these have been high on hiatus for a month, and it's they'll not be a- back very soon. Lucifer is back tonight, and that also continues to delight me. Even though I thought initially I was going to be hate watching it, I thought that was going to be a fucking shit show. You look at Mike Carey's Lucifer, which is it is not Mike Carey's Lucifer. Yeah, it's it, Mike Carey's Lucifer is epic, not on the same level, but in the same sense of Sandman. Uh, whereas this is yeah, it's a goofy procedural. But goddamn, whoever the fuck is playing Lucifer's. It's like, yeah. what scenery would you like me to chew? Because I'm hungry. Yeah, I, I I only watch it for him. Yeah, I, <laughs> and and um, sex bots on there from uh, Galactica, but Trisha Helfer. Yes. 
she's playing Lucifer's mom. Clearly, I have not poured enough beer on my brain <laughs> if I can pull that name out of my ass. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's not perfect. It's not going to make you any smarter. But it's fun. And but, at this point, considering the disappointments in in the comics world in terms of trying to find escapist things that can take your mind off of shit for a while... I, I will look at what do I have as my destination television that can just make me not think about the world. Okay. Fair enough. That works. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike me, who like, what? We had a TV category? Shit. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, half the time I'm watching television, you're usually doing something like editing the show or trying to update the Facebook page for, for the crisis account. Yeah, I haven't been doing all that well with that either. So... <laughs> All right. So now do we want to move on to the more, the broader ones? Yes. The, all right. So biggest surprise, biggest pleasant surprise of 2016. I mentioned Outcast. So also within the, the television category, um, Ash versus Evil Dead, which could have been hokey as shit because it's not like um, the Evil Dead movies, Sam Raimi, are known for having high quality special effects. Yes. Or coherent plot. <laughs> so, mm, Ash smash things. Has chainsaw on hand. Next. Yeah. Where can we put the car in this episode? It's- there you go. But I, I agree with you. I had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, that said, the entirety of season two is sitting on the TiVo. Yeah. Which we do have to get to. And uh, I hear Lee Majors is in it. Yeah. No, there's, there's a lot. That's just it. Like we have three terabytes of television programming basically sitting there waiting to be watched. Yeah. It's hard being us. Life sucks. (laughs) We got to clear a certain amount because Game of Thrones is coming. How spoiled are you for TV where you got Game of Thrones and the first new Game of Thrones stories in ever? Yeah. (laughs) That have not been in a book. (laughs) And it's just, you sort of take for granted because God knows I did. And we brought up as we were going through, well, you were going through your list and then I completely forgot about it. Yeah. Uh, so I have that on there. Um, talked about Deadpool already. For movies, you and I differed in our, our feelings on Star Trek Beyond. We did, and I've grown more... Excuse me, as I burp into the microphone. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm, I'm very good at it. I'm very good at it. Uh- <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I... I recognized the the kind of love letter that Simon Pegg was trying to write to the franchise. And I was delighted to see that it actually played even better on our home theater than it did in the movie theater. And I think that helped with me because I I bought it on Blu-ray because you really loved it. And I thought it was okay. I thought it was flawed. But it was easier to see, number one, on a TV, the love letter to the TV. Mm -hmm. See, I had in my head... The last couple of big theatrical spectacle, and Star Trek Beyond really wasn't that. It was much more of a a, a widespread, wide ranging episode of the show. But yeah, it comes down to oh, you go to a place and there's some new aliens, and it was much more traditional. Uh, but yeah, that said, I'm surprised the neighbors did not kick us out because we were shit faced when we watched it the first time. <laughs> Uh, with the home theater and the, not for nothing, but the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home office has a banging home theater system. Yes. <laughs> and when it got to the scene where they played sabotage. To disrupt the, the enemy ships. Yes. <sighs> Amanda was grabbing for the remote <laughs> and stabbing the button. <laughs> Turn it up. 
So it's I've grown to like it better. Uh, it's still not my big pleasant surprise of the year because uh, I still uh, I like it, but it, I'm not going to go to the wall for it. My biggest surprise of the year was Doctor Strange. Okay. I went into it knowing nothing about the movie, really. And I came out of it going, wow, that was really good. Because <laughs> it, it's such a, it's one of those properties where, you know, all of these other sorts of Defenders type characters, they're doing is small TV properties. And, and this was, not that he's going to be in the Defenders, but traditionally in the comic books, he's in the Defenders. True. So you think of him as, you know, yeah, he does all of this sort of, um, astral plane stuff and magic but he's really a street level character who lives at Bleecker Street <laughs> that's at least the way he comes across in a lot of these yes yeah but so, also keep in mind the original Defenders that's sort of how it comes across but it was Doctor Strange and the Silver Surfer and the Incredible Hulk <laughs> good point and Ghost Rider <laughs> there was a lot of mystical magical and I think that's what they were able to highlight successfully and, and keep it tight in the movie, they they were able to give us the the Steve Ditko art spectacle. They were able to give us Benedict Cumberbatch, who is in like every fucking movie ever. What kind of parents would that? <laughs> Somehow managing to to escape into this character and not make me spend the entire picture going, "Oh, that's Benedict Cumberbatch." <laughs> yeah, although I said it when we did the episode on the show, just let him talk English, man. Just give him the English <laughs> accent. Nobody gives a shit. It was more distracting that he was trying to talk American. I didn't find that. I didn't find that. That's fine. Everybody takes something different out of a movie. I, I wouldn't call it a big surprise. I also went into it not expecting very much. Uh, and, and I got a perfectly competent Marvel movie, which, number one, I expect a perfectly competent Marvel movie, particularly when that Marvel movie, as pointed out by Trebuchet after we saw it, was Iron Man. It was <laughs> Iron Man with magic. Okay. So what was your biggest surprise? It was... Uh, not necessarily in terms of quality, but in terms of success, was Deadpool. Okay. I expected Deadpool would be a, a fun movie. Clearly, Ryan Reynolds has a passion for the character. Uh, Tim Miller, as an effects guy, I've followed just because he's the guy who's been trying to get uh, Eric Powell's The Goon mm. made as a movie for years. So, yeah, I saw him on a panel for The Goon movie <coughs> 2008, maybe mm. 2007. Uh, so I, I knew that given a chance to direct, he'd at least have a blast fucking around with the effects and stuff. But I would have sworn this was going to hit the geek dollar ceiling of $20, $30 million. Yeah. Which we've talked about before. When it comes to just the internet slash geek dollar, that's the amount of money that's available. The opening weekend of Watchmen was $30 million. Yep. Uh, Snakes on a Plane, $20 million. Serenity, $20 million. Uh, uh, what the hell is the other one? Scott Pilgrim, $20 mm-hmm. million. If If all you're counting on is us, we only got so much money. I in no way thought Deadpool would cross over. It's a character that has no outside popular culture exposure. You know, the first X-Men movie was a gamble, but there had been an X-Men cartoon, so there was some cultural knowledge right. of the characters, whereas Deadpool... I don't think he was ever in that cartoon. He may have no. shown up in one X-Men cartoon or another. I don't think he did. But he, he didn't have any great media crossover. And I've always said, Deadpool is a stupid fucking name for that character. <laughs> it's it really, it's a name that doesn't mean it. I like Deadpool the character. I've grown to like Deadpool over the years. To this day, I maintain he's only called Deadpool because Bob Harris told him legal called and he couldn't call him Dirty Harry. 
Because <laughs> it's a, yeah, all anybody in the nineties, the Deadpool was a Dirty Harry movie, right? It's, it doesn't have anything to do with being an assassin. It was Rob Liefeld you know, with that big smile and probably a few crumbs of blow on his nostril, going, "Sounds cool, man. It's a Dirty Harry movie." And I, I don't want to call him. I don't want to call him Sudden Impact. That's silly. <laughs> but, Death Wish. No, I don't think I can call him that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's while Ryan Reynolds was clearly perfect casting, and you and I talked about that back to the days of X Men Origins Wolverine, mm-hmm. where that was the exciting thing was we were going to get Deadpool out of it to the point where that was the post credit thing. Oh, Deadpool's still alive. Uh, yeah, Tim Miller got the tone of the character uh, and the comic perfectly. But yeah, I would because nobody knew who the fuck he was. You can't say Ryan Reynolds a draw, R.I.P.D. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I say that. Out you loud. did, you did. But <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, that it became that much of a hit and that much of an influencer to yeah make the idea of R-rated comic book movies more acceptable to turn Suicide Squad maybe maybe into something that was watchable and had some fun to it. Yep. So, but yeah, now my greatest hope is since Tim Miller is off of Deadpool two, great. Take some of the juice you got and get the goon made, man. Right. <laughs> He's talked about it a couple times. He's like, Oh yeah. Now that I have all this attention, I keep telling people I got this other thing I've been working on. So that's my great hope. But yeah, that not that Deadpool. I'm surprised that it was a good movie. I'm surprised it was as popular as it was. That was my big surprise of the year. Okay. All right, any any others? Because I just did the one for that one. No, that's I, th- I think I covered everything. All right, biggest disappointment? X-Files reboot. <laughs> Except for the one with the fucking were-frog or whatever it was. Were-man, actually. Were-man, okay. Because <laughs> he's, he's normally he's a lizard. That's right. A giant lizard. That episode was fucking glorious. Yeah, that was, and I would actually put that on, like, you know, biggest delights of, of 2016, that one single episode. <laughs> Yeah, but opening and close number one opening and closing, calling it my struggle, yeah. which is English for Mein Kampf. That's a yeah. That's a strange choice. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how you do that in 2016. They're remaking. I hit the wrong button again. Jesus, uh, <laughs> you're gonna get us on a list. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, ending on a cliffhanger. Where just the aliens show up and you fade to black. That's if it is even aliens. I mean, they, they they seem to spend the majority of the reboot trying to repudiate all of the alien stuff over nine seasons of the original show. Yeah, and why would you do that? <laughs> and yeah, it's for me. It was disappointing. It's like oh, this is bad TV because I. But that's a level. You were a much bigger X Files fan than I was. And, and and the introduction at the end of like mini Scalder and mini um, <laughs> Scalder yeah, um, Scalder that works. <laughs> it was yeah okay. Um, Mulder and Scully like the the mini me's there that was <laughs> like oh clearly in case you know we can't get Duchovny and Anderson to come back now we can carry on the legacy with mini Scalder. That that was very cynical. Yeah. And uh, oh god, that's <laughs> that's why I still haven't bought that. See, I I bought uh, I bought. Excuse me. I bought you all of the first seasons and the first two movies in a giant box set. Yeah. I have not felt the need to go out and get season 10 to yeah. <laughs> put up against that box set yet. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, that was one great episode. Uh, there was uh, one of the, I can't even remember. One of the others was okay. It was not bad. But yeah, just the, the way it ended and introducing, yeah, the new Sculler. 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 <laughs> the, uh, the new Mulder and Scully. Yes. <laughs> Robbie Amell and Lauren Ambrose. I, I believe like are the beer. actors. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was really cynical to me. Yeah. For me, it was uh, it was not something that came out. It was something that didn't. They've been hyping it up for years. We were supposed to get them this year. No new Miracle Man comics in 2016. They were solicited for early in the year. As far back as when Marvel finally got the rights to start reprinting Miracle Man in 2012, 2013, Joe Quesada said, yeah, it's going to be a long wait, but 2016, it's going to be ready. And they solicited the issues early in the year, and then they just sort of dropped off. And mm. Axel Alonso said, oh, we're not going to do it until uh, we have everything to do at once, which means either Marvel scheduled shit too early. Or- Scheduling issue with Marvel? I know. Hard to believe. What? Hard to believe. But, Bullshit. But uh, or, or uh, Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham are late. Mm. Either way. Uh, now the the good news on it is, well, potentially good news. According to the Marvel website, <laughs> they have solicited the Silver Age one to come out in two weeks. Okay. It's solicited for January twenty fifth. I haven't been able to find any other website that confirms this. But Marvel's website says the first issue. Now, the first issue was part of the Eclipse Comics run, so it's just a reprint. It's not until the third issue, which would be the first new Miracle Man. That's supposed to come out March 29th. Okay. But at this point, uh, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> it's Okay. But it's. I was so looking forward to that. I don't remember if that was part of my thing I was excited about last year. Actually, no, I think I missed it, and a listener pointed out, weren't you going to say you were excited for Miracle Man? I thought, oh, I'm a fraud and a dildo. I forgot about that. (laughs) But uh, that was, looking back, that was my biggest disappointment. Okay. And uh, like I said, with these new solicits, I would put thing I'm most excited about for 2017, uh, I'll believe it when I fucking see it. Yeah. Uh, I've been waiting to, I mean, my God, it was when you and I first were getting to know each other in 2001 is when I was hunting down all those old Eclipse books. That's right. I've been waiting a long fucking time for I New rem- Miracle I Man. I remember that that fateful night when you were drunk on whiskey on eBay. You're really going to have to be more specific. <laughs> trying to, to win a, a an auction for Miracle Man 15. Yep. That was... <laughs> yeah, just sniping a dollar up, a dollar up, a dollar up. I got it. You got it. And now it's worth bupkis. <laughs> it's been on comic books and it's uh, in the, the hardcover that Marvel put out. Yep. I don't care. It's worth it for me if I can get New Miracle Man. Where's my new fucking Miracle Man? Axel. <laughs> Neil. Mark. God damn it. I'm not a man to be trifled with. I burn my family alive and I like to light things on fire. <laughs> Does it promote synergy? Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I pressed the, long, the wrong button. I should have been. I am a large, semi-muscular man. I can take it. That's the more accurate <laughs> one. <laughs> well, all right. Okay. So... Moving on to looking forward to next year. Do you want to do what what you're least inspired by first? Let's end on a hopeful note. That would be nicer. Because the sad thing is I I have more (laughs) things I'm apprehensive for. Good Lord. (laughs) Is that a scroll? Uh, (laughs) uh, I I have several that I'm apprehensive for for 2017. I have four. 
And it's not that I'm even apprehensive. It's more just along the lines of, do we really need to do this? <laughs> uh, okay. The first one, actually, I, I am apprehensive. Justice League movie. I am apprehensive about it for all the reasons that we discussed earlier. I have that here, too. And we discussed a lot of them that I had. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> Uh, just about everything here. Yep, the Deadpool note's taking effect based on the footage we've seen. Uh, I'm not sure Zack Snyder can make a good superhero movie. Um, look, I want it to be good. I really do. Mm-hmm. The same way I wanted Batman versus Superman to be good. I, I want Snyder to have learned the right lessons from the last couple of movies and to to embrace trying to make a movie with a little bit more I can hope to it at least. Yes. But... I have not seen anything in particular indicating that that's really going to be the case. So, yeah, for all, all that we discussed, uh, I am also, this is not really a apprehensive about, it's a legit, we, we wrote biggest meh for 2017. That was the original category name. Yeah. So um, Riverdale, I, unless they're going to do Afterlife with Archie, which they're not going to, which would be actually far more compelling. <laughs> yeah, well... For standard Archie stuff... It just feels cynical. It's like, all right, this is also a comic book property. Let's do this. Yeah, but it's also... We're not the target audience. Yeah. For something deconstructionist like Afterlife with Archie or Sabrina the Teenage Witch... I would love it if they would do... Like, a like actually, Alex DeCampi had been writing it. Yeah. That a, Sabrina. A real horror Sabrina. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But those are books for us who, at least up to one point or another, grew up with Archie and are now aged out, I think. Yeah. Uh, we're not the target audience for an actual Archie book. We're not in high school. These aren't our stories anymore. Arguably, they weren't our stories when we were in high school. <laughs> They're much more stories for junior high kids of, boy, I can't wait to get to high school. And you know, the same way a 90210 or uh, the OC was. It's like, boy, idealize. This is what I think high school should be. And this kind of fucking bullshit drama, which is bullshit drama. Yes. But So yeah, I don't think we're the target audience for Riverdale. I don't care about it one way or the other. And I give Archie Comics... Uh, all the credit in the world for what they've done in the last few years to bring their books up to date. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, when I it comes just, to a core Archie book, I don't think that's for us. I just, I, I just feel like it's cynical. It's like, what, what other property haven't we exploited yet? Oh, okay, now let's do Archie. Yeah, it, I, I can see why you're saying that. I can see why they're doing it. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong, but it's also it's hard for me to care because I, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> It's I don't okay. care about Riverdale. It's, it's okay. Unless it's unless it's Afterlife with Archie. Yeah, I don't care. So. Okay. Um, other other television property that is leaving me meh, Powerless, which is supposed to be a half hour comedy on I think NBC. It's it was supposed to be the story of an insurance firm that covered people in the case of catastrophic catastrophic superhero calamities. Right. And instead, they've retooled it, and now it's a research and design facility, Wayne Security, which is run by somebody named Van Wayne, played by Alan Tudyk, who's supposed to be the cousin of Bruce Wayne. Now, this character, if it is the character that ever showed up in the comics, only showed up once in, like, 1962... Um, otherwise there, there is no historical or canonical basis for there to be a cousin with the last name of Wayne anywhere 
there's there's the Kane family. This is right. Van Wayne, who is running this Wayne security, presumably at the behest of Bruce Wayne. And the purpose of Wayne security is to create security um, tactical stuff to keep people safe from superheroes and calamities related to that, which seems very cynical and not necessarily something heroic that Bruce Wayne philanthropist would do. Like, let me make money off of the shit that I stir up. (laughs) I had no idea it had changed to that level. It. It's it's only vaguely been on my radar, and mostly because oh, Danny Pudi funny from Community. Uh, I like. Uh, I'll watch that. I'm I'm happy that Alan Tudyk's working. I I don't know how long his character will live, but <laughs> he might die at the end of the pilot. I don't know. That's true. <laughs> hey, is, are, are those leaves on the window? Hey, why oh, am I dead? Oh, what a bunch of a holes. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't realize they changed it that much. It just. It seems cynical. Bruce Wayne would not, I like to believe, be in the business of um, profiting off of the destruction that takes place whenever superheroes throw down. No, absolutely not. That that seems that. Yeah, now I'm not really looking forward to that nearly as much. Yeah, it's. A, I kind of. I kind of like the idea of it as sort of a, a DC version of, uh, was it damage control? Yeah. So we get involved after it's all over, and yeah, we'll help you with the paperwork and whatever. But uh, yeah, that's... <sighs> <laughs> and finally, among the things that I'm, I'm appre- actually ac- apprehensive about and or not looking forward to, do we really need Blade Runner 2049? Oh yeah, I got that on my list. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the original Blade Runner, and yes, it's hard to say the original Blade Runner because there's now five versions of it. I have all of them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, same kind of thing we're talking about with Vision and probably why it uh, resonates with me. The concept of examining what it means to be human in a world that has grown so large and disconnected and technologically advanced that you're dehumanized literally and figuratively depending on whether you're Nexus 6 or human or able to emigrate or not. Uh, no matter where you turn, there's potential dehumanization. Yes. So what's this? And now it's personal? <laughs> I mean, what the fuck are you going to do with this? <laughs> it's Blade Runner as it is is perfect. Leave it the... F- well, all right, it's perfect. There have been five versions of it, but fine. Depending on your flavor of Blade Runner that you like, there's not a bad one. Right. Leave it the fuck alone. Nobody needs it. <laughs> yeah. I, I have no real interest in seeing it. I just, I don't, I don't care. I, yeah. So. And yet. It, this is another thing. I'm not the target audience because I love Blade Runner. Yeah. So. <laughs> People just have to get their, get their fingers into the sandbox. Uh, there's a dollar to be made. Somebody's going to make it. Yep. I, the big one that's scary for me right now is overall Marvel Comics. Mm. It's they're in a hole right now, man. I mean, Civil War Two is a disaster. Yeah, right now we've got Spider Man fighting clones. Ben Riley's coming back, so we've got the worst of Spider Man in the '90s. And we talked a little bit earlier about you know, Bendis trying to put Miles Morales in various places to make him front and center. And I just don't think it works coming out of secret wars. My understanding, or at least how it worked for me to have 
a Peter Parker Spider-Man and a Miles Morales Spider-Man in the same universe is fine. It's an excuse to finally make Peter Parker something different. Yeah. That different is we'll make him Iron Man. Why that's particularly different, I don't know. But it's another symptom of, well, that's the best you've got is we'll turn Spider-Man into Iron Man. But okay, but we've got Miles Morales to still be Spider-Man and work with by himself, smaller villains, street-level New York crime. And in the last year... Instead, particularly with what Bendis has been doing, oh no, he's in Washington killing Captain America. Why? Because I need him front and center for some reason. Yeah. And now, in this latest issue, the first one after Secret Wars, uh, yes, S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to send you across dimensions so that you can find your father but really make out with Spider-Gwen because Spider-Gwen's popular right now and clearly you don't seem to be, maybe. We we need to get the... Here's where your synergy thing is. <laughs> oh, wait. Here we go. Promote synergy! Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man and, and, and Gwen Stacy, you know, have to have a thing. It's it's the law. Uh, yeah, but it's a different Spider-Man. I know, but... Gwen Stacy. I don't disagree, but... But it, it's... It, historically, when Spider-Man is fucked up, when Spider-Man is not working, Marvel is in trouble. Right. Look at the 90s. And we're right back to fucking clones. Mm-hmm. And Peter Parker is not the same Peter Parker he's always been. Sure, now he's a rich guy and whatever. And he's almost willing to throw everything away to bring back Uncle Ben. To, I don't know. Hug him and kiss him and squeeze him. I don't know. Tell me it's going to be all right, Uncle Ben. Yeah. It, even though I've been around 50 years. <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, there is no just Spider-Man right now. It's So when Spider-Man's fucked, Marvel is in trouble. Just ask the 90s. So, yeah, I mean, right now, if you look at there's individual books that are good. We talked about Power Man and Iron Fist. If Mark, Mark Wade's name is on it, you can trust it. Champions mm-hmm. is really good. His Avengers is good. In general, for the past year, I've been able to trust Al Ewing's name. But even then, at least one of his books has fucking Captain Marvel in it. And that's a problem because they fucked up Captain Marvel. It's, I'm just... I'm not having a lot of confidence just in where Marvel is right now. You know, we sort of joked in this. It's like, oh, there'll be a reboot. I'm, maybe there has to be. Yeah. <laughs> I think there has to be. I just, I don't have a lot of faith in where they're going right now. And if you told me this a year and a half ago, I really would have been shocked. Because the, the, the roles were so completely reversed and that DC had dug itself into a grave. Yeah. I'm like, they they can't possibly reboot again. They found a way to do it, and it's been good comics for the most part. Marvel and their constant drum beating of Marvel doesn't reboot and our shit doesn't stink and we've never made a mistake. And uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not sure how they come out of this without having to do a reboot. And we're now reaching the point where we're going to start getting Marvel Cinematic Universe movies without a Marvel Creative Committee. Yep. Since Kevin Feige got Marvel Studios on the Disney side out from under Ike Perlmutter. Now there aren't comic people who have any sort of say or fingers in to at least guide the ship. Yeah. And, and the first one we got that really potentially could have, that could have had an effect was Dr. Strange, Mm -hmm. which is fine, but it was Iron Man. You can't fuck that up. Right. I'm not really worried about guardians of the galaxy two. I'm really looking forward to guardians of the galaxy volume two, but that's almost the last of the, Early Marvel, let's get an auteur. James Gunn writes it. He directs it. 
up until Infinity War happens, it's not really taking place in the Marvel Universe, so it's low risk on continuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I still think he's got the room and enough juice from the first one to be able to put together a good movie, whether somebody chimes in or not. Yes. But the next one's a Thor movie, and there hasn't been a good Thor movie yet. I, I want to be hopeful for that insofar as I, I want to see the dynamic between Hulk and Thor. I think I think Hulk will help that movie. Oh yeah, and Doctor Strange will be in Thor yeah. Ragnarok. So I, I'm hopeful for it because Thor will be surrounded with characters that are actually interesting. Yeah, that's a problem. Thor is too perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and and Natalie Portman tried, but she was kind of meh as Jane. And yeah. <laughs> so maybe it'll be better than Selvig. I think was probably the only interesting character to come out of any of those movies. Oh no, there was what's her face from Two Broke Girls, who was the comic relief. Oh, okay. It yeah. was decent enough comic relief. Yeah, but that was about it. Okay, I don't watch Two Broke Girls. Uh, neither do I. Okay, so <laughs> that's why I can't identify who the actress is. But I think that's where she came from. Okay, but yeah, I, I, Marvel is really kind of in a hole right now overall, and to the point where. <laughs> it could start affecting the movies. Mm. That that's speculation, but yeah, it's uh, name a Marvel book that's a must-read, top of the pile right now. I don't think we have one. I mean, for me, it's really Champions at this point. <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> but if you told me fucking Champions would be my favorite <laughs> Marvel book, that I'd be like, wow, what do they do the rest of them? <laughs> okay. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, that's my big one. Uh, Marvel needs to fucking do something. Because if we just continue with this, yeah, I'm not all that fucking interested. I, I'm just not. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, right, Justice League and, uh, yeah, Blade Runner. Okay. So, so let's go positive. Let's go for positive. Roll up that scroll. <laughs> all right. So what are you most hopeful for in 2017? On the TV side of things. Um, I'm very excited that uh, Defenders will be coming out. Yes. And that's that's one thing that Marvel could put in the line. Clearly in the last issue of Secret Wars 2, they sort of put all the TV Defenders in one place. Yes. Uh, in one panel, which is a tricky thing to say because, you know, in Jessica Jones, which man, is, they've gone out of their way to eliminate about 15 years worth of character development to make her more like the TV show. Right. <sighs> uh, that's not a bad book. It's not that's, a bad book. That's Bendis writing old school Jessica Jones mm-hmm. as if he hadn't written her since 2001. And that's jarring and kind of a problem. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to Defenders. I'm excited that Constantine is coming back via CW Seed. Now, tell me what that is, because you said Matt Ryan's coming back as Constantine. I'm like, oh, in the Justice League Dark animated movie, right? Well, Which no, he they, is. They, they've picked up the rights on CWC to broadcast. Now, what is CWC? It's on, it's on the internet, sweetheart. I Really? <laughs> is it? <laughs> yes. Is it like a, like a HBO Go kind of thing, except for CW? Yes. Okay. Um, and, and they have... A, a variety of shows. Uh, they even have old episodes of Birds of Prey going all the way back to that. Um, Digging deep. I respect that. Yeah. So they've got, and this is where they, they've been hosting the animated version of Vixen, who has crossed over into DC Legends of Tomorrow and some of the Arrow episodes. Okay. 
So I'm kind of hoping that at the very least, if they're keeping it alive there and reruns, that maybe, especially since he's going to be also voicing the animated version of Constantine in the uh, Justice League Dark movie, that there there could be some hope of bringing Constantine into something like A Legends of Tomorrow okay. or in a further role in Arrow or something. And look, that show was flawed. It was particularly flawed at the beginning. It, yes. it, it started itself out in a hole that it took a while to dig out of, but it did. And it deserved a back nine to get to a full 22 episodes. It didn't work out that way. Yep. Matt Ryan, I don't think anybody can deny, loved playing that character, took it absolutely deadly seriously. Yeah. And that's and what you want as a fan. Exactly. So it's I know he's moved on to other projects, and it's much easier to get somebody to to do an animation project. I mean, no matter where you are in the world, if it's in remotely the civilized world, it's like fine, we'll hook you up with an ISDN connection and you know if you if you've got internet Gee, I don't know. Can you get audio onto the internet? Is that a thing that's even possible these days? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I've heard there's going to be new developments, but okay. But uh, yeah, it's look. If he's making a commitment, there supposedly is going to be a Justice League Dark movie. Now, I forget who took it over after Del Toro passed on it. Which would, I wish he would stop <laughs> passing on movies that I want to see done. Right. I don't need Pacific Rim two. The first <laughs> one. Uh huh. Yep. Robots versus. Versus Godzilla. That's all I need. Yeah. I, I'm good. Uh, although I did keep watching The Strain. Even though now that we went back and, and drunkenly watched Blade 2, I see... He, it's like he said, oh, so this wasn't successful. But I still believe in this version of vampires. So I'm going to take my ball and go over here. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but uh, I'm also looking forward to The Tick, which Amazon had a... Pro- uh, a, a pilot season. Yeah, we did an episode on that, and it was actually pretty solid. Report uh, on Polygon.com is that it's been optioned for a full series. Oh, no, it has. It, it made it through pilot season. I yeah. don't know when it's debuting at this point. Yeah, it, there. I couldn't find any specifics on when it's debuting. It's sometime in 2017, so I'm psyched about that, because that that weird sort of darkness to it, Ben Edlund is on record that he wants to explore the relationships in it more than he is the comedy. Okay. And so that's going to be an interesting take on it after the the full blown like bizarre joy of the animated series and the comic book, and and even the short lived live action version. This, <laughs> yeah, look that that type of tick story has been told yeah. over and over and over again. You want to know those original stories? There are trade paperbacks, there mm-hmm. are DVDs, there's Blu-rays. So yeah, something different with it, particularly from the creator of it, who's maybe a little older. As somebody who's also a little older, yeah, I'm all for it. I, I enjoyed the the very real concept that maybe the tick is all in Arthur's head. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the first time that's ever come up. That's cool. From that pilot. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. I, I can get behind that. Um, and finally, on the TV side of things, it's a project I've, I've only found out about recently. On I think it's going to be on Netflix. The Santa Clarita Diet which is going to be Drew Barrymore and Thomas Oliphant. It looks like it's going to be shaping up to be a zombie series. It says that uh, real estate agents that are married, Barrymore and Oliphant, had an okay life, and then she died and things got better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know Drew Barrymore as a person, but maybe that would, uh, that would be what would happen. 
So, and, and all the, all the promo pictures show her with something that clearly appears to be some kind of human body part smoothie that she's cheerfully sipping from. Okay. <laughs> so that, that just looks interesting and outside the box. I have not even heard of that. So, but I like Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. You know, from going back to, well, nobody likes Hitman. I was going to say going back to Deadwood, <laughs> but it's certainly justified. So, yes. all right. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I wasn't even aware of that one. On the movie side of things, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic for Wonder Woman. I want to be, I, I'm going to apply the X Files phrase here. I want to believe. I want to believe that this is going to be a good movie. I want to believe that this is going to be an escapist story that is not going to be a, a stone bummer of darkness. Yeah, it's a, look. Gal Gadot clearly is enjoying playing it. Uh, Zack Snyder is not directing it. <laughs> Which is probably the best thing Patty that could Jenkins, happen right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, so the trailer looks awesome. So yeah, I've got some hope for that one. Yep. And uh, finally, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Well, yeah, that's... that's I'm, I'm looking forward to that with glee. <laughs> look, I got excited last week when they finally announced Shout Factory is coming out with a Blu-ray version of Slither. <laughs> it's, uh, I think, the only James Gunn I haven't seen is Tromeo and Juliet. Wow, okay. So, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, I, I'm on board with that. Yes. Uh, that, that's, I didn't even list that, because uh, to me, it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind a of a gimme. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't list in particular genres uh, as you did. Uh, the one big one that I forgot to list that I just thought of is Warren Ellis's Stormwatch imprint mm. at DC. Okay, yeah, now that's... Yeah, because, yeah, the... Uh, not Stormwatch, Wildstorm. Wildstorm. Uh, I say Stormwatch because, yeah, Ellis sort of made his... Bones. DC superhero <laughs> bones on the Stormwatch comic. So yeah, it's a, a universe he's played in before. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be awesome because his project superpowers was uh, for dynamite was only, but, but then again, the, the dynamite superpowers, mm. you know, with the old school daredevil and those were public domain <laughs> heroes that if anybody cared about them, they wouldn't be public domain. Somebody would have <laughs> renewed the copyright. Right. But yeah, Warren Ellis going back to say Stormwatch Authority. Yeah, I'm going to look forward to that for Christ's sake. Sure. Uh, the one other thing I've got here that <laughs> Logan, man, I'm looking forward to Logan. It's and part of it is wishful thinking. You know, it's supposedly Hugh Jackman's last turn as Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman as Wolverine got us on the road to superhero media outside of comics that we're at right now. It all started with X-Men. Yeah, yeah, I th- I am looking forward to it. I think I left it off my list because this is him taking a bow and I've enjoyed him in, as the character even in the crappy Origins movie. <laughs> yeah. So, him taking a bow is sort of the end of an era. Oh, it absolutely is, but people can't <laughs> you, you can't live on skinless chicken breast and broccoli forever no matter what the paycheck. <laughs> Human bodies break down. That's true. People get older. It's It's been 17 years since the first X-Men. That's true. But, yeah, I, I'd like them to go out. You, know, you have a soft spot for X-Men Origins Wolverine that I do not. Uh, I think the Wolverine movie, the, yeah. the, the Wolverine. The, the Wolverine. <laughs> uh, I think it's pretty solid. Uh, it's But it's pretty solid. It's not, you know, a... Perfect example of the genre. Yeah. So I'd like him to go out on one big one. And as much as I, you know, 
make fun of Mark Millar. I've got a soft spot for Old Man Logan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and certainly the Jeff Lemire series, particularly the first arc or so coming out of Secret Wars, was really one of the better things that came out of Secret Wars. Yeah. It's it's still pretty good. But that, that first arc where it's like, nope, I'm going to prevent the future from happening by killing a whole bunch of people. Yeah, that's 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 Logan. That's, <laughs> and uh, supposedly 40 minutes uh, have been shown to certain critics, and it's generally a favorable response. People are saying it's much more of a Western or a samurai movie, you know, a Kurosawa kind of movie than okay. than it is a superhero movie. It's a, okay, you have my attention. And they're introducing X twenty three, right? So it's I've I I have high hopes for it. I want it to be because it's. Uh, what's coming out around that? I know Guardians of the Galaxy. I can probably count on. They're going to go Dark Phoenix with the next X-Men movie. I don't think that's coming out next year, though. I think it's 2018. Okay. So they're going to do the thing that they should have done with uh, X-Men The Last Stand. Yeah. With the director of Superman Returns. Yeah. We we don't personally own Days of Futures Past because it was only okay and we haven't seen Apocalypse yet. Yeah. Yeah, I really want Wolverine to be good. <laughs> Logan to be good. So... Go out on top before they pull you into that shit fest. That's right. <laughs> there are only so many zeros that they can put on a check for you. Although I would pay money actually to watch you kill Sansa. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, th- those are my big ones. Okay. So is there anything else we want to... I think that covers everything. It's been, It was a weird yeah. year. Oh, they're starting to play us off. Oh, they're playing so. off. How are they doing that? It's, this is our basement. Uh, there we go. That stopped it. <laughs> Nobody will be able to hear it. No, I was saying, can they hear it over the bed music? Uh, I've only got so many channels going into the mixer from the computer. There's only so much I can do. Can, can you play the Mick Rory clip uh, with the Sad Hulk stuff underneath it? Oh, uh, I believe I... I burn my family alive, and I like to light things on fire. <laughs> that seems more... <laughs> like it ought to be more appropriate there. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yes, that's been the... <laughs> I'll put this on in the background. The 2016 Crises <laughs> Awards. We'd uh, like to thank our, our sponsor. Do we have a sponsor? No. No sponsors. No sponsors. I can't mix it. Shit. I need a better computer to do this. That's what I'm looking for for 2017. The tax money's going on a better sound card, for Christ's sake. Okay, huh? All right. Let's turn. All right, enough of this award show shit. It made more sense uh, earlier on, but also uh, I've had three beers. I got to take a leak. Should we wrap this up? Let's wrap this up. <laughs> okay. So yes, thank you for listening to our award show. We'll be back with uh, more regular episodes uh, coming up. And either way, don't know where you found this particular episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. I've been trying to do more there. I say that every week. Uh, I think I actually did something this week. <laughs> but either way, you can always uh, send us a message there. Uh, it is uh, facebook.com slash crisis on infinite midlives. We are on Twitter. Twitter handle is at infinite midlife. Mm-hmm. We are on Tumblr, crisis on infinite midlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes. And if that's how you get your podcasts, you can certainly subscribe to us there and do us a favor. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Helps new people find the show. Mm-hmm. We are on TuneIn Radio. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on Google Play. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network, and you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. I think that's everything. I think that's everything. So, yes, this has been, uh, what, episode 139 yes. of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives show. 
I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. You know the one I'm going to I burn my family alive. I like to light things on fire. Couldn't let it go. Never can. All right, now I really got to pee. <laughs>